No, 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 no! Ah! Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 290. Time to give thanks. Ken has entered it again, but apparently Restream does not. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Oh, this is going to be interesting. I've actually disconnected from Cox and running uh, Verizon right now. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how all this works. (laughs) So, yeah, this, uh, let me hit the stop share here. All right, let's start off with the panel introductions. Let's see. Top left-hand corner, we got Marco. Okay, he turned into a Cylon. (laughs) Okay, next over, Ken Waters. Hopefully your internet's better today. Well, I don't know. How do I sound? (laughs) You sound pretty good. I guess they found found the squirrel. (laughs) You sound as bright and clean as your shirt. All right. Next over, Grant Leedy. Hello, everybody. All right. Uh, next over, special guest Stevie. Hello, hello. Uh, next row, yours truly. Uh, next up, Kurt L. Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, Rick Uland. Been a contender. Terry Stiggy. Welcome, everybody. Hey, here's your turn, line feed, Ron Delvo. Hey, enjoy the show today. Special. <laughs> All right, we got uh, Fred Ravancha. Yes, I uh, couldn't uh, stay away for such a special episode. Uh, hello, everyone. Hello, and then next up, Jason Record. Hello, hello, and my mom says I'm special. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the little <laughs> short bus picks you up every morning, right? <laughs> Let's see. Sloopy Malibu. You're muted. He's never sounded better. Yeah. He's lip syncing. <laughs> That's great. Doing his Millie Vanilli impression. 
Greetings. My dad said I was a treasure. My mother said, yeah, let's bury it. <laughs> yeah, he sounded better before. Okay. <laughs> Next row, David Ladd. Why, hello, everyone. Are you ready for today's episode? I'm sure the rest of us are. Please sit, stay a while. Join us for this train ride today. Uh, mm. All right. Um, Alan. <laughs> Man, I'm just glad to be on the show today. Howdy, howdy, everyone. Coco. You know, I've always uh, lived with the motto uh, Murphy was an optimist. It's not just a law, it's a lifestyle. And yeah, you are exactly right. And apparently that Murphy's a huge fan of Restream. That's right. So next up, uh, Nick Marota. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Hadn't seen hey, you in a while. And welcome no. back. Thank you. And on the other side of the globe, the other Nick. Good day, everyone. Another show. When will this show ever finish? Never. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me go put another quarter in the internet. Be right back. <laughs> what is he doing? Oh, <laughs> putting another quarter in the internet. This isn't the vibrating bed in your hotel room. <laughs> yeah, that's there, what I was about to ask. What's going on? So anyway, things are like still that. blinking over there. So all right. Uh, crank the handle a few more times. <laughs> it's that's a wind right. up internet. <laughs> Someone poke that hamster, get him to start running faster in that wheel. Yeah. Sounds like it's I'm running actually, okay. See, I'm there's actually, your problem. In Canada, we use squirrels. They run way faster than the hamsters. <laughs> it's a, it's a, no, it's a metric squirrel. <laughs> okay. Let's see. What do we got up first today? I think it will We're be Stevie. We're all looking at you, Curtis. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> We're all looking at you. No. Or is that is it right. me or Curtis or who? I don't know what you guys are. Yeah, tell you what. Why don't we uh, spotlight you there, Stevie? And uh, I think you've got uh, something to say here. Uh, let's see. Where is the spotlight? There it is. Okay. Hello, everybody who is watching Coco Talk. For those who possibly don't remember me, I'm the guy who started this show over five years ago. And uh, for the past probably six or more months, I have not been able to be actively involved in the show. And I've come to the decision since I can't really be part of it that I am going to officially retire from Coco Talk. And you might be saying, well, what's different since you haven't been on in six months anyways? You've already kind of been, you're already dead to us anyways, right? But no, what I'm actually asking to do is that when Coco Talk when Steve retires from Coco Talk, I'm actually asking to retire the name Coco Talk. So the same show will have a new name once I am retired. And I think we're looking at the end of December will be the end of the name Coco Talk. And starting in January will be the new show for the new name, which I will let you guys um, talk about. But I believe that date will be January 7th. So uh, December of 2021 will be sunsetting the name of Coco Talk, and I will be riding off into that sunset. And it's been a, a tremendous honor to be part of this panel, part of this community, and hopefully I'm still a part of the community. I just I have not had the time to devote to a lot of the administrative tasks and other uh, production needs that are available. So I need to kind of officially remove myself from that picture. 
And I look forward to, as I've been for a while, just being a, a member of the audience and listening to the show and enjoying the show because it is a fantastic show. So I think that's really all I have to say about that. And I don't know if you guys want to plan or promote it better, but I think it would be nice to maybe gather some content from people um, and maybe do a retrospective and maybe have some people submit some clips on things like that and have kind of like a going away party or something like that for the old name of the show. Um, but other than that, that's all I have to say about that. So you don't have to keep me spotlit any longer. You're losing viewers by having them look at my face. So, <laughs> Well, then shine a bright light on them too. Who are these people? Well, one so, thing I think I can say on behalf of all of us is uh, thank you for starting the show, Steve, because obviously we wouldn't be here if you hadn't. And I know we kind of started with, you know, that first interview you did with me with, you know, on joysticks and controllers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I am. Yeah. We started doing interviews and then we actually kicked off the show, you know, to start the uh, promotion for a Cocoa Fest. So, uh, yeah, when thanks. I was kind of going through my mind and again, none of this is a contest, right? We're here as a hobby. But when I look back uh, on what I have done, um, you know, I started doing Cocoa videos in 2015. I have done over 200, even though I haven't done a new Coco video in a long time, I've done over 200 Coco gameplay videos. We did probably a half a dozen or more really good interviews, starting with Curtis Boyle, then Rick Adams, then Dale Lair, and the image producers, and Chris Latham. And then we even got Jerry Buckner from Buckner and Garcia, Pac-Man Fever fame. So that's a half a dozen incredible interviews that we were able to do before we even started Coco Talk. And then we've had Cocoa Talk and the interviews that we've had, like even though I wasn't able to be on the interview with um, uh, Dave Dice, I mean, that was gold, right? That was like four hours of, of radio gold and, and history preserved. So everything this show has done, um, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of, and the especially Curtis, who's like 90% of the show at this point. Uh, and everything else. So yeah, completely proud. That's why I wait of, after Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Completely proud of everything that we have achieved. We we definitely have created the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek universe where, you know, we imagined a community that was better than it could have been. And somehow that became a reality. And, um, you know, so I'm proud of all that. But, you know, unfortunately, my work and time don't allow me to be able to have too much hobby fun. So I just think it's time for me to bow out gracefully um, and, and let you guys continue to officially run this as well as you've been running it. Well, thank, thank you for the kind okay. words. And like Thanks. I said, thank you for starting the show because uh, none of us would be here right now if it wasn't for that. Right. And thank you for continuing Definitely. it because I would have been worried. I would have been worried for the past six months if it was in butterfingered hands and fumble fingers. So I haven't been worried about that. And obviously in the community, I think what um, we most need to be thankful for is the, the community that we've managed to um, kind of congeal with and how they're, well, they're really the supporters of the show. The show is for them and about them. And, the, and it's what, what goes on in the community is what fuels what this show is all about. So it's all kind of self-fulfilling, you know, yeah. self-sustaining. And even yourself, Stevie, had mentioned a while ago, I'm going to paraphrase because I'm the exact quote, but you'd mentioned that this is now a fan-driven show. It's it's all the people on the panel, it's people in the chat that join us every week, people in the Discord. I mean, it's it's a shared experience with a lot of people. There's no one person that's kind of in charge of it anymore or even a you know a small group of people it's a whole bunch of people so mm -hmm. the interactivity well, i think is what really made our show yeah and and, and i don't see any reason why that isn't that is not going to change yeah right? i agree 
Well, Sorry, we'll Ron. miss a lot of your questions and uh, your prodding to keep us going and, and knowing <laughs> yeah. when to, uh, I'm sure you can yell at us through the chat still. <laughs> I think he, he brought us the, the name Asparagus, or was that uh, Jason that did that? It was a group effort. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. We're going to do broccoli, then they described it on Asparagus. And um, yeah, but anyway, so I guess that's the first official announcement and then continual reminders will go out to let people know. And I don't know what else you guys want to say about what you've decided to rename the show and any other marketing or promotional presentations need to take place at this time. Can anybody go on to Facebook and make an announcement that due to the restream issues, we can't broadcast to Facebook today? Uh, Is that what's going on? Yeah. So neither, no Facebooks and we're... We lost one. Uh, we have one Twitch and not the other Twitch. Um, or one of the YouTubes. So there's, there's, we're not able it to send all of them. unable to connect. Yeah, I'm looking at that in Restream. Yeah, so Restream is is having an issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be an issue because Studio is probably going to have the same problem since it's going out. The yeah, same no, server. it's Restream. It's not. It it's does. Not yeah and the only way we could even come on the air at all was me to switch over to horizon from cox so okay was, so that it's was interesting like we are not on um it's looking like we're not on facebook right yeah all not, right not so, at all yeah. we are on twitch though i just checked so whatever network cox is on oh, is bad from whatever one mark's on yeah you're sideloning all right, so let me pull up the feed and let me see if I can't share it. Let me get the share button. Yeah, YouTube looks great. That's okay. Good. So All right, I'm, so I'm going to make that post right now. Would you say we have a bunch of people on Facebook that need to see this? I think Mark Siegel usually watches it through Facebook as an example. And uh, while we're doing that, I, I'd just like to add, if it wasn't for Coco Talk, there probably would not be a Coco Man cable dot you know dot biz dot cables or anything like that that's this is basically what got me back into the coco was like hey there's a coco podcast i would say the same thing too if it wasn't for coco talk i probably wouldn't be back at at coco fest and uh, be where i am it, today exactly i wouldn't i wouldn't have gone to coco fest in 2018 so i you know it's been a very positive thing and uh yeah, you know, and it's like when I think about when we go to these events, you know, Coco Fest is great and it's celebrating the cocoa, but why am I going to Coco Fest? Do I want to see a bunch of other people's cocos when I have a house full of cocos myself? I'm not going there to see the machines. I'm going there to see the people. That's really what it's become. You know, it's become yeah. about the uh, the friendships and the relationships and that sense of community and, you know, um, hanging out with your friends. And that's why I even like VCF Midwest a little bit more than Coco Fest, since we don't really feel like we're being obligated or rude to anybody. If we don't hang out in the same room, we can all just kind of go out and eat and, you know, go have pizza and leave Richard Lorbieski working without telling him that we went out to eat, Greg, um, and things like that. Right. So, um, so yeah, but really to me, the, what I, again, if I'm not on the show, hopefully it doesn't mean I'm still not friends with you guys. And I am still planning on going to Coco Fest and, you know, bringing stuff to Coco Fest and buying stuff at Coco Fest and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, that's what it's all been about, about making friends. Nope. I'm just there to see the machines. <laughs> yeah, he's been waiting for that ag vision for years. So, yeah. <laughs> has spoken. That's gonna be a rebel. 
Oh, there's some comments sure. in the chat too along this line too. Uh, Exxon Paradise, uh, Alan Murphy there says, if we're not for Coco Talk, the COVID years would have been far more unbearable. That really rings true with me, as yes. I've mentioned to Stevie in private. Uh, Jeremy Landry said, yeah, the show kept Jason out of jail temporarily, I'm sure. Um, Ken Record said, if no Coco Talk, there would not have been no Mightmore Highway game. Um, wow. And then he apologizes for the fact that there is one. Uh, well, Brian I mean, Walsh says, if it wasn't for Coco Talk, I'd still be living in a van down by the river. Well, hopefully you've upgraded the suburbs now. Van down by the river. That's awesome. We should probably capture some of these as little quotes that we can put up in a montage or something. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys could submit those in video form too, that'd be great. Yeah, because yeah, he's really moved like to the moment. nice Walmart yeah. parking lot now instead of down by the river. You know, and so like when I, you know, the reason <laughs> the re, yeah the yeah at least because the Walmart parking lot's got lights on at night and stuff too. You don't worry about getting robbed. Um, but yeah, when I started taking time off because I was getting busy, um, I started also to realize, you know what, I kind of like having my Saturdays. I feel really selfish, but this has been like the highlight of my week to be able to hang out and laugh and have a good time. But because I'm so busy during the week, Saturday is like my, you know, honeydew day and everything else and not having to prepare for the show or do the show or stream the show. And just having that time free has been like, wow, this is what it's like to have a Saturday <laughs> for like five years. I haven't had a Saturday or a Sunday because Sunday was, you know, do the podcast and do all that kind of stuff. Saturday morning was recording stuff and streaming the show and sometimes doing an after dark show. And then Sunday was doing the podcast. So yeah, I've committed many, many weekends for, for a very long time. And I'm very selfishly looking forward to having some future weekends where I don't have to run an, an empire. <laughs> I, I just want to say, I think uh, Aaron from Amigos Retro Gaming probably has the best quote I've seen so far. And I got to figure out where it went because I get scrolled off here just a sec. Uh, ironically, I listened to the show on the way to jail. <laughs> no, I do like listening to the show because it is, you know, that's that's because of my time. That's the only time I have to really enjoy it is on the road. So that's a it's a great feature, you know. Yeah. And as I mentioned to you privately, Stephen, I think I mentioned on the show maybe once, twice, too. I mean, during COVID, because my business went down the tubes and got extra unbusy, complete opposite of what happened to you. Uh, this this was actually something that kept me sane, kept me having a schedule where I actually had to do things instead of just lounge around the house hoping work would show up. You know, trying to figure out if I could have to retire now at an age that I had no plans on doing so. Right. So it's actually helped me keep my sanity the last few years during COVID. Yeah, well, I'm I'm and grateful. Seems. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm grateful for this entire experience, and that's why I feel like I I wanted to go out on a high note. I mean, right now we're at we're we're at the top of our game, and we're going to stay that way. But for, I I want to get out. And retire at the top of the game. <laughs> but I want to. I want to be in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean. So <laughs> before, before like eighty-year-old people saying, "What did you did you press the button? Are, are we on Twitter? I don't know what's going on here, Sonny. I speak louder. It's <laughs> you're you're on mute. No, you just need to turn your hearing aids on. <laughs> Can you wheel him up closer to his microphone? <laughs> Good did they post to Facebook that uh, if they, anyone wants to watch us live here, they have to do it on Twitch or YouTube? I did. I did. You did? Okay, cool. I did, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I would like to say something if it's possible. I don't We're out of time. Oh. <laughs> Story of my life. No, I wanted to thank Stevie for creating this wonderful show. And having it go for so long, I mean, I'm one of the newer people here on the panel. I've only been here two years, but you've accepted me and brought me in. And I've noticed that you've done this with other people, too. 
And that is not something that you see commonly in other uh, classic computing communities. And this shows how much uh, caring and feeling that this community and Stevie and the show have for the people within the show. And I want to thank you all for allowing me to come in and allowing others to come in before and after me and help us get to learn the Coco, the 6809 and such, and get to know the people around it and in the community. Well, thank you, Sloopy. And I, I don't mean to interrupt that because that was very heartfelt, but I just saw something very funny come by in the live chat where Jeremy Landry says, can I throw in the hat the name for the new Coco Talk spinoff show continuation? Can you call it Coco Talk TNG? <laughs> <laughs> and my question is, I'm trying to remember who let Sloopy in here again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, left the door open. I think he just showed up. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's been the great thing about this. This entire show has been one big happy little accident. You know, nothing nothing was planned. Everything has evolved and morphed over time. It's all been organic. It's all been natural. You can't fake friendship. You can't fake enthusiasm. You can't fake sincerity. And everybody here is genuinely sincere and enthusiastic and friendly towards each other because we are all part of the same community. And I believe that... Um, those feelings extend out, and that's what makes our community so great. You say it's not like that in the other retro communities, but maybe that's because we're we're used to our machine always being that underdog, underdog machine, and we never felt like we were entitled or appreciated or respected or even recognized as computer people back in the day. And maybe that sense of modesty and humbleness has carried forward to our lives, and we're still using the cocoa today like we did back then. Uh, but some of us are making, you know, millions of dollars now, like Nick Morenti's on this. So, um, you know, just yeah, I think I think the Coca community was always busy defending itself against the other ones. We couldn't afford to have our internal fighting as much because otherwise that, we would just be losing. There hasn't against. been internal fighting, but you know, no, I'm just I'm saying it's less <laughs> though. Like, as Sloopy said, it's less than I've seen in some other retro communities too. So, is that Rob Inman out there? Tan are we seeing a Rob Inman sighting in Tandy Color Computer Three? Rob, why aren't you on the show? Where the hell have you been, Rob? Rob's been an important part of the history and the fabric and the legacy of this show. You need to get your ass on the panel, Rob, and you better be here before we retire the name for damn sure, slack ass. So. <laughs> Just and let you know, Stevie. Back. Tell them what you really think, Stevie. Just let you know, Stevie. I hate to inform you, but the price of the of the hotel room with me is going to increase because you lost your employee <laughs> discount now. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Leave it to Greg. That's Are you trip. taking David Ladd with you? Not hey, Nick. You're upgrading your room to a free David Ladd. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> N not staying with Grant, perks of retirement. <laughs> trust me, all the gassiness that comes from Stevie will be a, be a treasure, trust me. Oh, yeah. Put that in a bottle. <laughs> oh, God, no. Put it in a bottle, we can sell it. Okay. <laughs> Aaron says, oh, Lord, that's not an upgrade. <laughs> he knows David too well. Yes. Who knows the David very well? Aaron. Aaron. Ooh. Amigo Aaron. Yeah, well, he hasn't met me in person, so how would he know? Uh, he considers I, himself I, I, lucky for that, I think. But, uh, <laughs> David, you're infamous. Oh, yes, Lord. there we go. Uh oh, did Restream die? I don't know. I you know, I think on, it's been. I still see us on YouTube. Yep, you're good. 
I, mean, I think it's been going up still and down. On. But yeah, since we're since we are, you know, in the in the holiday of Thanksgiving, I'm definitely thankful for all the um friendships that we have formed. Yeah. Out of, my doc years. tells me everything's offline. Oh really? No, no we're, we're still, still streaming yeah, on still, still here you, so yeah, yeah, we, yeah. yeah. I'm seeing it on Twitch just fine. YouTube yep. is good. Yeah, I still see it on YouTube here, but yeah, I'm gonna just turn off the doc because it's apparently yeah, not the doc wrong, or not right. Died. <laughs> The doc is broken. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're here. Uh, Aaron says the stream is up. If anybody can so, Stevie, what are you going to do with all your free time now? Well, ironically, it's not really that free. Right. And so, the only free time I've had, and if I could shamelessly plug the other project, is I, you know, Sunday, Sunday evenings is the only time I have free. And I did start a little side project that, if anybody's interested, you could listen to my other show, my other podcast. And, um, um, and honestly, that's the only time I have that's that's free, like late Sunday afternoon. So Saturdays are usually eaten up. My weekdays are eaten up. And so Sunday afternoon is really my only free time. That other yeah. show. That's right. So <laughs> well, I do know your work really picked up over COVID. I remember. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. yeah. When you and I were talking, Curtis, it's like uh, you were saying, you know, COVID slowed down for you. Co- you know, the apocalypse was great for business for me. It just made me really busy. So um and 2023 is looking like, uh, uh, you know, I've got a bunch of new clients coming on board, but onboarding is a lot of work and then supporting is the work, you know, because now that they're paying me every month, they actually want me to do stuff for them and, you know, responsibility kicks in and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So the good news is, you know, the thing that pays my bills is finally after 12 years of struggling is starting to become almost, dare I say, profitable. <laughs> you got to watch that because that's going to, you know, lightning's going to strike. But yeah. But yeah, everybody's got their struggles, right? Just trying to struggle to survive and pay the bills. So luckily, things will be a little, hopefully the next year will be slightly better than just getting by. So but it's all good. And thank you. And that's all I have to say. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So I think, Mark, uh, it's probably the cue for Run it. All right. Let me do this. On that beautiful bean for this. The time has come to unite the world under one nation, an 8-bit nation, a neon green nation, the Coco Nation. The Coco Nation Show, coming soon. That was cool. <laughs> you saw it here first, baby. That was cool. That was super My favorite cool. line is still the neon green nation. That just neon green nation. Yes. <laughs> well, when you say it's time to unite, it's almost like saying make America great again. It's not like we've been divided. We're already united. But um, yeah, cool. Cool stuff. The Coco Nation. That is awesome. Good job. I recognize some of the work. I recognize so, some of the uh, soundtrack in there. I recognize some of the voice talent in there. Um, yeah, good stuff. Samuel that's that's a new use of the word talent I wasn't yes. previously aware of. Yeah, I, I, so <laughs> you I forgot to use the quotation fingers when you said talent. Right. Yes. right. So the talent. idea is basically one nation for all Cocos. One meaning nation the, for all Cocos, meaning the, the – What about the MC-10? And, 
Yeah, the unified even, nation across the entire world, not any particular nation, just so that people don't get that idea. It's it's meant to be yeah. unity of all cocoers and coco cousins, basically. Yes, even the MC10. We need something to hold MC-10. open the door. No, just out of curiosity, because of that pyramid, does that really mean that we've been secretly been the Illuminati this whole time? And <laughs> Absolutely. One percent who's running the world. No yes. Illuminati to see here. Move along. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was the I thought it was the Illuminati. It was the Illuminati. One percent's <laughs> good, but uh, r- ruling maybe not so much. Mind the guy I went to school with, Sal Manella. I knew that guy. He had a funny <laughs> smell to him. So yeah. So, yeah, he wasn't. He didn't, he didn't have the best personal black, hygiene. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Aaron says, "Man, the Illuminati has hit the skids." <laughs> <laughs> well, times are tough all over. Let's face it. That's right. <laughs> I'd like to rule the world, but first, have you got any spare change? <laughs> and Jim Jim Rice says, "Can we declare war on the Rhythm Nation?" And on the Rhythm Nation. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're not, taking we're not, over we're, and we're taking over and no one will even notice <laughs> the name yes, change you, is already paying dividend and dad jokes it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> coco nation you're gonna have an anthem too i pledge allegiance to the flag of the coco nation of the planet and to the 6809 <laughs> we have a flag and all of its efficiencies one community under god indivisible with uh 16 and green and, and green screens <laughs> amen all right so yeah you have to work on that one but yeah <laughs> Indi- <laughs> indivisible zero yeah yeah, yeah. Um, division by zero yeah. yes. or on the rupert rhythm nation oh. Thank you. <laughs> okay ken all right. Well, I'm going to run because we got to go get our live Christmas tree. That's our like, after Thanksgiving tradition. I'm going to go with the wife, grab a Christmas tree that will be dead before Christmas gets here because that's how we roll. <laughs> so um, thank you all. I'll be waiting for the news story that says a Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> so a Florida man, a bonfire and an alligator. I don't know what was happening, but and something about a Christmas tree. Christmas yeah. tree. Gone I guess wrong. technically it's not live. Once it's been chopped off the ground, it's just basically waiting to die. But it's it's a real tree, as it is known. It's a real tree. That's our tradition. Like, we get the real tree after Thanksgiving, right? So mm. it's like somehow the entire Christmas. Christmas tree store went up in flames. Beautiful. I, I, I love to, I love the new little intro. I love the little semi-graphic flag waving there. That was great. Spared all expense on that. I can tell. So that was uh incredible production. The production value has not gone down at all. That's it's great to see. We are right there at rock bottom still. Yep. So, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all we have standards, you know, <laughs> All right. Lateral move. That's it. Lateral move. No, I'm no going to run. Up. I love you guys, including David Ladd. And Nick Marotta's here. Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta. Where are you, brother? Come here. Give me a hug before we go. Can you turn on your camera? Uh, no. I am not. No, no. It's not because you, Steve. I'm not camera ready. All right. Hey, I'm, I'm sure he has a very good reason. I think we're probably better off. Uh, Nick, if he Nick, Marotta, <laughs> Nick, hear my words. I love you, man. I love you too, man. All right. I'm going to go, guys. I love all of you and even David Ladd. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Take all care. Right. Ooh. Steve. Later, Steve. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Okay, run the outro. Here we go. Actually, uh, how about we run um, 
I was thinking that if we can run the uh, PSA commercial, I could attempt to switch the internet back and see if we fall flat in our face. All right, go ahead. This one's barely doing it. All right, come over here. We got to share screen over here. Whatever you do, don't press the big red button. You mean this one? You are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a candy colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original colored computer, the Coco 3, and the world renowned exclusive French computer. Radio Shack. Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to. Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donaghy, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Grant B., Henry Strickland, Jay Style, Justin Larson, Ken Reichert, Malfunct, Melly, Mike Rayburn, O.G. Hugo, Rick Eulin, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Terry Steen, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Yeah, wake up, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's my cue. Your cue. Yep, my cue. All right. Be on your performance review, Mark. <laughs> so, Jason, I guess so. There's a couple of questions in chat we should probably address here because you know, asking okay. about the, the changes to the show. Uh, one that's been asked a few times is, will the episode count continue? And I think we kind of decided that it should continue, uh, both as a form of continuity that this is the continuation of the show. It's not like starting over from scratch because we have the same terrible faces on the screen you see now. And also because if we have people asking a question like, when did what episode did you guys interview so-and-so on? Or what did you talk about this game review or whatever? I don't want to have to, have to remember which version of the show it came from. So we just have the episode number. We can just rattle it off. Okay. Cool. The other thing, too, I would probably suggest uh, we'll need to be switching. Uh, people need to cancel their Patreon account on the old show and then switch it over to the new show. So that will be getting posted, I believe, next week on the next show. So that people can start doing that. Yeah. Okay. And then other than the change in the look, I mean, there'll be a new, new zoom, uh, uh, new zoom link to come out at some point. Yeah. Are you guys going to be disseminating out through discord or <coughs> just so people Probably know where to go to get this information in between discord on the show, lots of channels. It's all in progress. Well, I just I remember we we do have a uh, for the uh, the Zoom call we do have you know passwords and stuff to prevent some of the bad spamming we had in the past and so that'll have to be done privately some way not just a public announcement because then we'll start getting all the people you know throwing yeah all the racism and crap like they did last time so you know Commodore users Amiga users you know <laughs> there's Atari users they still we get also, in somehow though. we also have a question about the uh, Discord server is it gonna 
what's going to happen to the Discord server. The only thing really uh-huh. happening in the Discord, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding, the only thing is, is that the name of the Cocoa Talk related channels will change to say the Cocoa Nation. Yeah, I was so basically say, a Cocoa Discord, not a not a Cocoa Talk Discord. Yeah, I was going to say my Discord server's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it will That's stay the, until I'm dead. All hail David Lab. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully longer. Well, I've been saying that wrong. I've always been saying, "Oh hell, David Ladd." <laughs> I'll 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 drink Diet Dr Pepper to that. <laughs> yeah, actually, a big thank you to David for setting up the the Discord for the Coca community in general, and the fact that it actually has hosted, you know, our, some of our planning stuff and some of the news uh, summaries, etc., as well as some Coca Talk specific chats, as well as everything else that covers everything in the Coca hardware and software related. So, big thanks. Well. To well, actually, it, 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 it was a group effort. Um, I know that there was some resistance when I kept trying to push Discord when we were all using Skype. Um, but I saw the potential because the fact that you ha- you could do groups, you had the voice. Of course, at that time, we didn't know about the video that was coming. But still, there were so many forum-esque features I thought it would be great. Yeah, and without seeing primitive like a form, because forms are kind of dropping. A lot of people just don't bother with them anymore. So, well, that that actually is an unfortunate thing because there's so many things forms are great for. That yeah, you but know, the younger the younger set, the young people on the show, like well, I guess yourself and Nick Morota and others here, you know, just that's the kids just don't play with the old stuff. It's like IRC chat, you know. There's a few, but not not as many. And Discord definitely has been adding features, as you said, like video and stuff that uh, we've used quite a bit. So, yeah, it's uh, it's file been interesting. Yep, file attachments. Um, which, if if you're a Nitro subscriber with Discord, your your file attachment size, I think, is now a hundred meg. If if you're at the ninety nine level, correct, which is handy, um, because then you can like record videos. And as long as they're at that hundred meg or less, Mark, you can like post videos like crazy in Discord. So yeah, that answers that question. Yes, the Discord will continue. Will continue. You'll see a couple of minor name changes and some of the channel names. That's pretty well it. Purely cosmetic. Yeah. As far as the rest of it, we'll uh, we'll kind of like like uh, Terry mentioned, we'll be kind of gradually releasing that as we get a little promotional stuff ready for switching other things over and, and where to go find stuff and how to join the show, et cetera. So, oh, we should mention uh, taking some time off over the holidays too. Yes, we get vacation. <laughs> vacation, about time. I've only been here how long now? <laughs> yeah. vacation time. Woo! So we're taking uh, like because of the the, sh- the show falls you know over christmas of course so we're taking i'm trying to get the specific dates here now uh mark you were talking about possibly doing a kind of a smaller impromptu thing on christmas eve no uh new year's or new year's eve okay because two weeks without coco talks a little long you know what i mean i thought new year's eve was going to be the david ladd new year's special (laughs) besides that that show is going to be all acquisitions yeah yeah true (laughs) Oh, but anyway, for, for everybody in the audience there, Christmas Eve, the 24th this year, would have been Saturday for the Coco Talk show. We will be taking that off, and it's the first official time off. Now, I know a lot of other professional podcasts from Twit to CNET to a bunch of others, they usually mm-hmm. do take 
key holidays off because people do need a bit of a break. And I know the few times I've had to miss a show due to work, or whatever, I feel guilty because I wasn't able to make it, even though I'm busy working, whatever. So I would just rather have the guilt-free version of having a holiday once in a while. So it'll be a few weeks a year. We'll be taking some time off, Christmas being the main one. Go ahead, Jason. What, what, it's, it's a, you said professional podcast, so what does that have to do with us? Well, we should take more time off because we're so unprofessional. We should be in training, if anything. But uh, And just to make it clear, uh, we will be taking only U.S. holidays off and not Canadian holidays. <laughs> well, fortunately, Christmas is the same for both. Ken well, they, and I are sticking with Canadian because we have more of them. Um, they have that. Slave drivers. They have that day called Boxing Day, and they have their Thanksgiving in October. I mean, come on. Well, it's I mean, good we know on Thanksgiving was snow. I didn't think boxing was that big of a holiday. Or, no, it's uh, not. It's, it's oh, our. The, it was our big shopping day, the equivalent of your Black Friday for years. So then, <laughs> then there's Canada Day on what July first, I think. Is that yeah, right? yours is on yep. the fourth. Yeah. And if that falls on either side of the weekend, we both take long weekends. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there are parts of the U.S. where Thanksgiving, there is a lot of snow. <laughs> I uh, remember a few at my grandparents' house in upstate New York where there was a lot of snow on Thanksgiving. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I remember snow coming in right before Halloween. Oh, no, we, oh, we yeah. get that regularly here. <laughs> Except for oh, yeah. Ken is. No, where I am now. You remember the old Saskatchewan ones where you oh, get absolutely. snow in mid-October and stay around through uh, Halloween. Going out trick-or-treating, you can't see what your costume is because you're wearing too damn many uh, winter clothes. Yeah, like a snowsuit <laughs> and too many layers. And Meanwhile, in Canada... I'm a ghost in a snowsuit. Yeah, that was what you dress up as. <laughs> Do they even have Halloween in Australia, Nick? Renties? We have it, but it's... Uh... Because we just copy uh, the U.S. <laughs> There's no real reason for it. Well, they, sure there they, is. They, it's they it's to sugar it, up the kids and send them back home so the parents have to take care of them when they're completely wired. Well, they have it, but it's a bunch of weird candy that's upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, oh, the, the Vegemite chocolate is not something I want. And that's a real thing, folks. Not even joking. There is Vegemite and, chocolate. And Halloween falls like in springtime in Australia, too, right? So, yeah. You get yeah. a totally different vibe, I would think, because of the different season. Well, Christmas is in summer for us. Yeah, now that, that would be a really different vibe. I actually, Nick, I have a question. Do you guys have a lot of Christmas songs uh, that are uh, that are specific to Australia, where you talk about the warm weather? You know, unlike our Christmas songs up here, where all we talk about is how cold and snowy it is. You know, slay, um, slay, something slay, like Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Um, or, or no, the, we do have, the Australian one. We do have a few Australian ones, but uh, largely uh, you mainly hear the US ones about snow and all that. That must that must snow be really weird it, to talk about snow in the middle of uh, summer. You're watching TV and they're showing you snow and all this and reindeers and all that. You look out the window and it's steaming hot. <laughs> yeah, with kangaroos <laughs> jumping around and. Killer snakes trying to get into your toilet and stuff, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you got that creepy FIFA Santa Claus in this. But I mean, even in the states, if you're like in like in Ron's area or something like that, you don't see snow there for Christmas either, do you, Ron? Oh, you're muted, Ron. You're still muted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to hear that, that one. Uh, you open the refrigerator and you see that same same kind of snow. Of course, it doesn't precipitate or anything, but there it is in there. You know, put your hand in there. It's cold. Ooh, 
close it. Yeah, I've experienced cool. winter for the year. See you later. <laughs> no more refrigerator. <laughs> so over in the chat, things have been pretty busy. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Most uh, Jeremy Laundry, uh, most popular Canadian Halloween costume is I'm trying to keep warm. Yep. <laughs> uh, Norway has a couple of days of summer. Uh, without from, snow. Uh, Tom Eric, yeah, without snow. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy uh, Landry, uh, Australian Christmas has St. Nick in a Hawaiian shirt and shorts and a drink in a Corona. <laughs> so that's who Ken's impersonating. I finally figured it out. I thought it was the Fosters. <laughs> I'm Australian Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google like Australian Christmas songs and listen to some of those. Those must be pretty, pretty interesting. So an open container is all right as long as you're yeah. driving a sleigh is what they're saying. Yeah, and then the we're all as long as no as long as the bump. deer aren't drinking or the reindeer aren't drinking, you're fine. <laughs> if you ever heard them land on the roof of your house, they've been drinking. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so a little off the topic, I have to say I like the comment from Tandy Color Computer Three in the stream. Uh, says uh, Coco Nation is going to include extra use in all the words due to the new Canadian management. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The cuckoo nation show. Actually, no, that fits us too well. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, all right, that's probably the biggest announcement for the show today. Everything else is going to seem a bit minor compared to that. Yeah, everything else is <clears> going to be a letdown, you know. I can go yeah. back to sleep. Yeah. 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 Send Mikey to sleep. Actually, Mikey mentioned earlier, I don't know if you saw that, but he said there won't be any napping for him today. Because he's uh, was a, well, he's a bit of a surprise by the announcement, like I think most people were. And I mean, honestly, for us, it was a big surprise. It just came out of the blue, too. Everybody that was been involved in, you know, scrambling to, to, to get something else new started up. So to kind of take the reins over. So a big thank you to the people that are involved with that. I've been only involved in the periphery. So it's mainly been like Grant and Terry and, and Mark and uh, David. And uh, who else is there? Am I missing there? Alan. Alan, yep. I never remember him because I don't see his face. Yeah, I just going to remember Alan. <laughs> no, trust me. If you ever see his face in real life, you don't want to. You, you'll be you'll be hurting for the rest of your life. Nightmares. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! It's the Murphy effect. <laughs> Come on now. Grant nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of other people kind of helping behind the scenes now too. Uh, that will. We'll bring them up as 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 time progresses here. So you're know, going to be contributing. Who the did the uh, and... who did the graphics? So if I want to, I want to say it was Ken, correct? And then uh, D. Bruce Moore for the uh... not this Ken, the other Ken. Yeah, Ken Riker. Yeah, Toko Man's brother. And There's also new theme music coming from Bruce Moore, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So look forward to that coming up when the new show starts off. Okay. Well, Rome wasn't built in the day. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. And for those we didn't, we didn't, you know, copy everybody in off the start here because we were just figuring out as we went along too. It was a, uh, it was very, very sudden. The hair was all on, this happened. Our hair was on fire. Yep, literally. Yeah. <laughs> That's because Curtis was soldering again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, more than just my hair, then. That. So. Anyway, I just want to make sure, <clears throat> excuse me, that people that did not hear about it because we've been scrambling, we didn't know, we didn't actually decide the date until today. 
you know, during the pre-show, literally, as to when the changeovers happen. So things are still in a state of flux. We don't have everything ready, like, you know, the new theme and backgrounds and stuff like that. There's been some proposals going by. I know, Ron, uh, yeah, I think we're going to hit you up for some possible artwork stuff here, too. We definitely want you to keep your Ron's Garage segment and stuff going, too, as well. It's Ron's Nation. No, <laughs> garage nation. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, uh, garage nation. I don't know. Uh, garage Ron's national good. garage. Yeah, and well, your theme music will be Garage Band, right? Well, I, uh, I don't think it'll be. Um, I, I think I should defer to um, someone that has a larger collection. Who would that be? Brian. Yeah, Brian or Terry. I would Brian, say these are two best. Oh, Terry. Brian's got national warehouse. <laughs> so the Olympian... Coco Warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> and I Go think Nick. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was gonna say there will be a new website which will have all the links to the new YouTube channel and all that sort of stuff uh coming soon. So I have to change the banner for nothing. <laughs> uh, which no. banner? Not really. Yeah, so yeah, no, your Facebook. banner your banner just says Ron's Garage, doesn't it? Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no Coco Talk Facebook group, is there? Um, there's, I'm a coconut, I guess, is the closest. Yeah. Here, just yeah. to refresh, just to refresh everyone's memory, let me do this, and then. Yep. So it, so, it can go just so as you're so just just to bring everybody up to speed, Ron's Garage will continue on the new program. Cool. Yeah, I'm yes. relieved. Yeah. I'm That's relieved. part of that continuity we were talking about earlier. Contra so, uh, oh, I, I, I picked this flag uh, not even knowing the name of the new uh, group. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to use my continuity tester on my multimeter to check <laughs> for the continuity of the show. And just let you know, too, Terry uh, and myself are going to be working behind the scenes. We're going to be, like I said, we'll be forming an LLC. So, therefore, you know, uh, it won't be held by one person in the future. So, yeah, it also makes uh, succession handling a lot easier because you will have multiple people on there. So that even if one person has to leave for whatever reason or, or heaven forbids passes away or something, it's not a mad scramble. You'll still have other people that have already been part of the LLC that can kind of take it over and then help get somebody else to join in. So right, transition should be pretty it. smooth. I got a question now. Um, all this archival stuff that we've done on Coco Talk that was beautiful interviews and great information and, you know, learning about the color computer and um, uh, machine language shows and, you know, all that stuff. Is is that all available to us on some kind of, uh, you know, pay and play type thing? Or? I'll let Terry well, Grant handle that pay. one. There, Stevie has allowed us to copy that to the new channel, so we will have all that. And he's going to continue the uh, I Am a Coconut site as well, so it'll be in both places. Um, there, there won't be a pay to view or anything like that, but <laughs> who'd pay for this? <laughs> <laughs> we pay for it every week, so it's all going to still be available, correct? Yep. Yeah, so if you're you're not know, like, uh, uh uh, you know, a cocoa user back in the day, and they stumble across the the nation quote. Unquote. And the old the old links are still going to work. So yeah, you're going to be looking at uh, stuff that's labeled cocoa talk. While uh, yeah, um, I mean, honestly, I think all of us really wanted to keep the name, but 
but that was not something we had a choice in. But you know, you've seen uh, comic books change, uh, change names, but continue on with uh, episode or with the series numbers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, people get used to it. It'll, it'll be a bit of a transition, you know. As the, the casual finder of us will be the one that has the most problem because they might say, "Watch the Taylor and Amy show," and they have an episode with a Coco in it, and then they mention Coco Talk. Well, they're not going to go re-edit all their old shows. You're not going to get every podcast to do that. So, uh, with Stevie leaving his stuff up, you can search for it, and then hopefully there'll be some little blurb on the tag or, or description or something that will say, "By the way, it's now the Coco Nation show." Plus, we'll have the episodes on our channel so they can find ours too, our copy of it, and then know that the name has just changed. We probably should post a little video on our, our new YouTube channel that just kind of explains the name change and what the legacy was and what it's going to be in the future, just so that people three years from now will know what the hell's going on. That'd be a good video for you to make there, Curtis. You're nope, the voice I've got enough on my plate. Thank you, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the great voice. No, I don't. I'm still hitting puberty and I'm a 55, so. <laughs> I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> And and Steve did say he'll cross promote with us, so he'll he will put the new site and channels and stuff on his I am a coconut just so there is continuity and no confusion for like you said, Ron, you know, newer people finding it off of a search and then we, we want to be able to have them, you know, visit the, the, the current channel that as it as it is. And I think Steve is going to be simulcasting it too for a few weeks as well. So, yeah, just to help We're, with the transition, people if they catch it live, they'll be able to see that you know it's changed, it's moving to here. We'll have that you know the exact mm -hmm. URLs, et cetera, for that, so that they can follow along and, and join on the new. Course, the new today it may not be working so well. <laughs> well, restream <laughs> itself isn't working so well today. So, and I I don't know that it was mentioned uh, with Stevie, but he did. Um, send out a request to all the current Patreons requesting that they move to the new one. So I know that was sent out. A few people got those emails, I believe. So the transition has started. Yeah. So does that LLC have to be set up before the you start taking in the money? No. So right now we have we have temporary accounts, and then once we get the LLC, then everything will be moved over to Wyoming because they do not have a state income tax. So uh, that will be where it'll be based out of is Wyoming. Yep. Any any further questions from the panel from the from the members that uh, did did not know uh, that this was happening? And it's been literally over the course of just over a week. It's been a mad scramble. Um. As of the end of last show, we had no idea this was happening. Actually, two weeks. Two weeks. Sorry, yeah. yeah. I had long thing. flowing hair before all this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Mine's coming out. He lost his hair. <laughs> I, for one, did not know, but no questions, really. I mean, I might have some next week. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah. uh, I think it's all been explained pretty well. All right. Yeah, and I expect it'll be just sinking in for a lot of people. Like the initial, I think the initial announcement that Steve had given us, uh, some of the people on the, the planning part of the show, um, I don't think there was too much of a response immediately after because we were just stunned. We didn't know this was happening. Like there was no forewarning. So it was kind of, what? <laughs> that was my initial reaction. But anyway, it's 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 being done now. It's well underway. Um, you'll see the changes gradually. And then as of January 7th, we'll be switching over officially. So 
Uh, I look forward to seeing all of you just exactly the same as we do now. Just a new logo and some new background graphics, etc. Yeah, that's that still all new, about the Coco. Look. Yeah. All right. So we're now, going if I could just do some about my looks, that would be even better. But we don't officially have a new logo yet, right? Yeah. Or do we from the graphic? Kind of in flux right now, yeah. isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're but, still. If you got one there, Ron, just let us know. I got some ideas. Uh, we're taking submissions. The best way I can explain this is content is what matters, and the content will continue yeah. on the Coco Nation. We'll come up with some logos and some stuff to go with that. Uh, speaking of which, Ken, are you ready for Game On Challenge? You oh, one other thing real quick. Uh, Terry, what's a good email address that if if the uh, viewers have questions, they can e uh, email us at? I'd say just send it to show at thecoconation.com. Cool. There already email. is a coconation.com. Yep, there is. We've been scrambling, Ron. <laughs> and by wow. we, I mean Terry and Grant, not me. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, Terry. Yes. The link link I have says info at thecoconation.com. So do you that, that would work too? Well? But we're we're thinking maybe if it's show related, we're going to send it to that email address. But yeah, either one of those would work. Okay. Okay, right. so I, I think that's enough on that for now. There'll be more details coming out over the next few weeks, so I think we'll go on to the uh, Game on Challenges you were mentioning. Okay. If we must. The time has come to unite the world under one nation. An 8-bit nation. A neon green nation. The Coco Nation. The Coco Nation Show, coming soon. Welcome everybody to the Coco Talk Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played Panic Button. We had a total of 20 players. Our first submission was from Ed Rhodes, but unfortunately his screenshot cut off the score and I could not see what it was. We then had a three-way tie for 17th with Bob and Coco, Mark B, and Terry Stegey with 30 points. Bacon Fire Bob, 120. Sabhead, 160. Sloopy Malibu, 240. Then we had a tie for 12th place between Mr. Dave, 6309, and Tasman with 270. We then had a three-way tie for 9th with Buck Owens, Shenley, and Tom S. for 300. Jim Rye had 310. We then had a two-way tie for sixth with Canadian Retro Things and L. Curtis Boyle with 330. Rich N. had 450. David Ladd had 500. Justin Larson had 600. Flutterball, 640. And the number one score this week was... Brian Walsh with 660. Thanks everybody that played, and we will see you again next week.
You know oh, what? We, we should go. we should have some kind of an award or a, a mention for something for creative names on that list. <laughs> some <laughs> of them are pretty cool. I'm just I'm just surprised <laughs> not to see Buck Owens. Hmm. Oh, um, yeah, he wasn't one of the top players this week, so it was definitely a difficult. I, game. I know why he was a bit busy testing a certain game for a certain Nick Morantes. <laughs> ah. so it's all Our Nick Morantes' cool. fault. Sorry, blame Australia. Yep, it's all Australia's fault that Buck Owens couldn't take the top spots. So, King in the oh. cra- trash can. Uh, well, <laughs> other than Brian Walsh, it was a three a three way tie for last place. <laughs> So this was definitely a difficult game. Um, I managed to, managed to find a few uh, reviews for it. So the first one right here was from Hot Cocoa, uh, February of 84. So basically this review just goes through and tells you exactly how to play the game. Um, the last paragraph, the guy said, I thought Panic Button was a fun, provocative, and challenging game. It requires concentration and quick reflexes, which is definitely true. What's the chart up on the top show? Uh, or did it have one? Uh, I don't know if this one had one. Oh, okay. There it is. Unless it's this one. I'm, no, I guess it would down. probably be this one. Next, next one down right there. This that one page. here? Yeah, the ones on that page, I think, is it. Well, the one that's above Mud Pies? I, I don't know. I don't know. that that I was confused on that. That's why I wasn't going to uh, mention whether it was, which which was the proper graphic for that. Anyway, um, yeah, they didn't really uh, say anything groundbreaking in this review, just that, uh, just told you how to play it. The and black Rain- square at the bottom is the end of the article. Yeah. And then uh, Rainbow January of 84 had a review, which, again, basically just talks about uh, how to play the game. Uh, something that they both talk about is the best part of the game is getting to throw a cake at your boss at the end of level two. If anybody made it th- to that point. Um. And also that uh, Panic Button's addictive and that, again, it's an enjoyable game worth the price and recommended to anybody that enjoys action-packed fun and sweet revenge. And by the sweet revenge, he's talking about throwing a cake at your boss. (laughs) What I like about these two, uh, just to interrupt for just a second here, but one thing I like about the reviews you found, these are actually published from when it was sold by First Star directly. This is... yes. These reviews are a year or two before Radio Shack decided to pick it up as a game and sell it. I was just going to mention that, that uh, right after this review, uh, let's see, in April of 86, after Tandy had released it, um, Rainbow did another review of it. So now it's now under Tandy's uh, label for the game. And I found this review to be a little bit strange because they didn't really say anything new about it other than it actually gives you instructions on how to play the game by inserting the game cartridge, plug in the joystick, turn on your Coco, and turn on your TV. I don't think I've seen game reviews that 
are actually searching that much for things to write in it that they include those instructions? <laughs> well, something really cool at the bottom there <clears throat> says available in Radio Shack stores nationwide. Yeah. <laughs> and in Canada, I can vouch for it. And then they also explained that uh, choosing levels one, three, or seven, that number one is the easiest. So that's the one you should be choosing when you start the game off. So actually, the first couple of paragraphs in this review give some pretty basic information. And um, for eighty six for nineteen eighty six on playing games, I I thought I thought it was a little strange. I th I think they missed a few of the steps there at the beginning. At the end, when you turn on your TV set, then you should turn off your cocoa, pull out the cartridge, and throw it across the floor. <laughs> I couldn't it's play that game rage... to save my life. Oh, It's only when you rage quit. They, they, they could have done a third paragraph here about rage quitting, yeah. <laughs> Terry, are you a game player? Well, if I played that one, no. <laughs> it, it's a hard game. It's very. It is a hard game. Fun. Uh, but I did. I I do agree with what they say in this that it's an addictive game. That after you get fired, you just want to play it again and and uh, get back at the boss. I guess. Now, one one thing I will mention that I completely forgot to do when I I joined you guys briefly on the game on challenge to play it live, and I completely forgot a strategy I used back in the day when I first played it is to actually use the darn panic button. Yeah, which stops the conveyor belts, and I totally forgot about that and didn't do it. So that's you know I probably could have done a bit better. <laughs> yeah, I only used it once, I believe myself. Um, but uh, there was other tactics I used. So well, that's what we're talking about now is tactics as we're watching David Ladd's video. Yeah, well, explain your tactics, David, since you had a really good score. Um, so one of the things I was doing was to use my own body to block the yeah, stuff the as up. it came. Yep. And then that way I could control what was going on um, as best as possible. Um, it can get fast paced. Um, and then, of course, you have screw ups like that one there. <laughs> <laughs> I, what, one funny thing is I didn't even actually notice until like uh, I was done playing last night that uh the body parts don't come out randomly out of the three things at the top like that uh the head comes out of one the body comes out of the other and the arms or the legs come out of the other i i oh i didn't even notice that but you're right <laughs> i just never paid attention to that i always thought they were coming out randomly at some point but that's what i yeah. assume too so you always know on. you always know what's something's what's going to come out of so you can actually, like David is doing here, is hold the piece under the one that should be. So that actually would make the game a whole lot easier. So it is basically like Lucille Ball making the chocolates. Absolutely. If you know where the heads come out. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, I I like the game. It it definitely <clears throat> later levels it gets more interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they start doing the shoots on three different levels, and... holy cow. So you can't put a head on a torso or, or on it on its legs? You can, but you buggered up the robot or whatever shape oh. you're building, so it doesn't count. Yeah. And you have a time limit to get 
properly assembled things a certain quantity. So and down to the bottom, they have to be properly assembled, uh, assembled, and at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, because I've I lost a couple of times where I had like two things still going through the conveyor belt, and the time ended before they could count at the bottom of the screen. You know, when the screen gets small like that, it looks like the guy had to think about how to program that to make it look decent, you know? So looks like he might have put some work in there. Looks like a nice effect. I like it. It looks like the screen is folding in on itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the cakes are similar to the the previous one. The next one is where it gets really difficult. Yeah. Good thing those candles aren't lit. <laughs> I I never had this game back in the day. I, I don't think I ever played it before. Um now uh now I, I have a question though. Uh this might divert the topic a little bit, hopefully not for long, but so this is a really hard game. What other games would you guys say are particularly hard um that you've played for the Coco before? Dungeons of Dagareth. Predator. Just well, predator, I would classify under impossible, but Robocop's pretty hard too. You know what I thought was a hard game was Downland. I, I swear it took me like a hundred tries just to get past the first game or first board. <laughs> it's definitely one that has the pixel perfect jumping. Yeah. yeah. That sure. made it so frustrating. <laughs> it almost feels like a spectrum game at that point. <clears throat> yeah. So here's the uh scene where you throw the cake at the boss, just in case anybody didn't get to see this. Mm. What? Building the houses, yes. That's <laughs> was there any sound when it when it hit him? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't have the sound on right now. Because oh. I this is definitely a game that I did find the sound a little bit grating. And you can see on this level, you've got the shoots now on three different levels. They're not all in a nice little row, so you have to like really run around and capture things before they roll off the bottom. Yeah, this is the stage where, yeah, you'll you'll probably require using the panic button more often when possible. <laughs> you couldn't make a du duplex or anything. <laughs> Yeah, see, it gets way more difficult. I'm trying to remember, what's, what's the thing when they start floating around? What is that about? Don't it's know. just to distract you and get in your so way. I know you, you can grab them after they start floating around. You can. Too, didn't the problem is sometimes they float under things and catch them when they fall off one conveyor belt onto the next, and then you've got a destroyed piece. Uh. No, it's a pretty cool game. It's original. I don't know anything like yeah. this from the arcade or any other platform, to be honest. Um, definitely, you're not going to find it too easy. <laughs> and it really but you do feel, feel like, like you're getting better. I think Ken was right. I mean, you yeah. you 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 want to come back to because you you finally make it to level two. Then you finally make it past that first intermission where you throw the cake into the boss's face. So they actually feel like you can progress if you if you spend some time at it. So you can stack too, huh? You can hold things back. I didn't know that. Yeah, you can just you know stand in the way and block them, and then start piling up if you let it go too long. But yeah, I was trying. 
<laughs> you did better yeah. than us, so yeah. Yep. Yeah, if on the edges where you can stack the items, if you fill up an area, it clears that whole bench out. So now this is a level I actually didn't get to yesterday, so the phone level. What's after that? The modem level? I don't know. Never got that far. <laughs> Push buttons next. And there, I finally yeah, use. I first time using the panic button. Yep. Yeah. The acoustic couple. Then the level. boss comes on and grumbles at you, and you have to. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah. He pops there. in at the. Uh, in that box there. In the box there, and. Okay. Yeah, and I think you only get one or two uses of the panic button and then you're just done. <sighs> so any other strategies there? You said basically use the panic button, maybe starting at level three once you kind of get used to things, block some of the shapes, like hold them up in the conveyor belt. As best as you can, yeah. Any any other trip tips or tricks? Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have any. I mean, uh, I I remember the panic button exists, I guess, is the big one for me because I totally forgot. Even yeah. though it's, you know, the name of the game and all. I forgot a few times as well. I only used it a couple of times. Yeah, see, I tried to use the panic button there and it was, it wasn't having any of it. Yeah, I imagine you only get to use it so many times per man or per screen. But I was trying. I was trying to make it past this stage. <laughs> you almost did. Four seconds left. You got 10 made out of 11. Yeah, I literally, your last one was just about to scroll off the bottom. You would have had it. So if you had actually moved that last one a little further, you, I think you would have had it. All right. And it's also got a really nice attract screen, something that you don't see a lot in Coco games. A yeah, little too busy to me. <laughs> yeah, to me, the title screen's a little bit too busy. <laughs> too. This is probably the only way I'm going to see some of those extra shapes like TVs and stuff, too. So. Hey, that was, that was a cool pick. I hadn't played that game in quite a while myself. And uh, I do remember I, I did like it. I played it a fair bit when I was younger. I did used to know about the panic button. Yep. So, um, yeah. Is Sloopy still on the call? I see. I don't know. He might be. Okay. Did you want to talk about um, how we did the live show this week? And I will play a video from that. If I must. You must. Okay, then I will. We uh, didn't have an officially scheduled uh, Coco Talk game on Challenge Live this week. We uh, had an impromptu one Friday evening, which was quite popular. We had six people uh, joining us. And I think we actually had more than six. We just had six people playing. Yeah, we also had some count. people just in talking. Yeah, they don't count. Oh, okay. I, I had rage quit this thing before the show started. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pre we had six people. We had six people playing at once, but we had up to eight or nine people in in the uh, channel talking. And how so. many of those people were swearing at the game? Uh, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them were even using foul language. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty successful game. Uh, fun was had by some, and uh, and sheer hatred by others. <laughs> <laughs> enjoyment was had by all, and uh, it was uh, generally a good time. Um, it was so popular that people actually started playing other games at towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> One person so. played another game close to the end. Yeah, well, that's more than none. That's someone. <laughs> Some. So. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, a pretty successful uh, show, con considering it wasn't scheduled or anything. It was just impromptu. Um, and we didn't do the regular scheduled show because it was Thanksgiving down in the States. The, yeah, you you yeah, we, American people had this Thanksgiving thing to do. So. All of us Canucks and Aussies and Europeans are all ready to go, but no. We don't thank anyone. <laughs> yeah, the, the only the only real issue was uh, there was a couple people cheating on the uh, on the show last night. Uh, one guy was like just piping in the other's uh, video and sending it back out his own uh, stream. But other than that, everything was good. I Certainly wasn't any Canadians getting exactly yeah. the same scores throughout the yeah the night. Yeah, yeah that was weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I won't name names, but the Canadians know who they are. <laughs> so, looking yeah, at my score, you knew I didn't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, uh, good fun, and uh, there was sharing of strategies, such as they were. Unfortunately, uh, the the uh, big winner did was there, but didn't show any of his strategies. I think that's uh, that was very selfish of him. I won't name names, Dave, but uh, Mr. Lab Lad should uh, know who I'm talking about. So <clears throat> next week we will be uh, on our regularly scheduled uh, Thursday evening at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, and there we will be playing another oh. great Coco game. I which... guess that's my my cue to talk about that. Is it? Which, back so. to you, Ken, what are we playing next week? Oh, well, ah, let me see something here. You haven't even opened the envelope yet? And this is a teaser of what next week's game will be. Oh, that's a Terry Steen game, I believe. We may better see if we can get him on the show. Yep. That's not that's not the new math tutor. That doesn't look <laughs> We're like not gonna have tutor. fun with our math tutors this week. Why? I liked my math tutor. Which version <laughs> of scripts it is this? Uh this doesn't look like spectacular later. What is spectacular? You can see all the cells lining up there. That's where you punch the numbers in. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh it must be a binary version because they're pretty small cells. Just uses on-off bits. Besides, besides me and Ken, does anybody know the name of that one? And if you guys said we're here for our Terry Steen interview, you should know it because we didn't yep. talk about it. It's Gray Lady. <laughs> nope, nope. 
Okay, well, I will show the title screen then. I believe that's buff, not gray. Able Builders. So that yeah. is Able Builders, and it's uh, in the vein of, uh, you know, your... Popcorn uh, Kaboom. Popcorn Kaboom type game where mm-hmm. you... The, the the difference with this one is that every time you miss one of the rivets that are dropping, the guy drops down a level, gets closer and closer to you. So rather than having a number that you can miss, um, and you lose your catching platforms, you have one catching you lose, platform. Yeah, you have one catching platform, and the and the the dropping platform moves down unless you catch a whole bunch in a row, and then it will move up, and you can actually squish the guy at the top. And Maybe you switch back to the uh, the screenshot of the actual game there, Ken, just so when you oh, describe okay. it, they can see what we're talking about. Um. Oh, can I? Just give me a second here. Don't mean to put you on the spot, but well, maybe a I, can. Bit. I can. I can. Just <laughs> give me a second here. There. Where is it? Uh, there. Okay, so there's the guy at the top. He's dropping rivets down at you, and you have to catch them at the bottom. And uh, if you miss, then the uh, platform that he's on moves closer and closer. So you have less time to react to him dropping. And if you catch a bunch in a row, it will move up. You can shove it back up. You can shove it back up, and you can actually eventually squish him at the top. And we will play on level 5, because it starts on level 10 if you don't do anything, and that's a little bit too hard. Level one's a little bit too easy, so we'll start at level five. Split the difference. Okay. So that people have a little bit of a chance to actually do some stuff. Yeah. I mean, and for those who don't know one. the history uh, or watch the Terry Tistine interview, I will mention this was not a commercially sold game per se. It was actually in one of the uh, magazines, the tape magazines that came out, like TND and Chrome. I don't remember off the top of my head which one this is from. I think it's from TND. Um, but it was one like it was a monthly subscription. So you got some, you know, 10 random programs. You had some utilities and educational stuff. And then, a, you know, a couple of games. Terry published quite a few of his games that way. He had a few that were commercially sold, but quite a few were on T&D. And, and he stuff, actually so. talked about that in the interview we did with him yep. a while back. And so you can reference that if you like. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he gave any tips, though, if I remember. No, he didn't. But we'll see if we can approach him. Maybe have him as a guest either on the live gameplay itself or maybe on the show next week to kind of talk about the game development of this particular game. So. Yeah. Okay, now, something else I wanted to mention about the Game on Challenge. Um, I wasn't on last week, which was when I was going to make this announcement, but now it's only one week away. So next weekend, we're actually going to be playing a new game by some Australian guy. Um, <laughs> Neutroid? Ah, uh, I'm not sure. It's something about a kangaroo trying to learn to swim or something, or <laughs> <laughs> it's Jumping Joey. So, if you have not bought your copy of Jumping Joey from Nick Morentes yet, then oh, highlight um, hi- highlight Rick Eulen there, uh, Mark, because he's actually got one. Oh, okay. So does Terry. You, I'm jealous. Well, you guys haven't got mine yet. Yeah, I haven't gotten mine yet either. I haven't even bought mine I yet. So I haven't gotten mine either. I haven't. Have you it opened yet. it? Have you opened it up yet, uh, Rick? He doesn't want to destroy the value. You're I muted. Just, I just want to see what the how the instructions printed out inside. Rick, you're muted. 
Wow. Man. Oh, you made him open it. He just Amazing discourse has been lost <laughs> on everyone. If there's any anyone's got an open one, yeah, if I could have a look at the instructions. Terry, Terry, is yours open already or? No, well, doesn't that void the warranty? Uh, you're, you're one of those collector types. I'm going to uh, yeah, void my warranty. You, here. you void the warranty if you cut it open. So if uh, somebody wants to put a link up to Nick's site where we can actually buy this into the chat, then uh, I think I can handle that. Give me a moment. Okay. Is it readable? I have it on speed dial myself. Actually, pretty good quality. Is it in English? Oh, good. Is it in in Australian or English? You got to flip it upside down there, Rick. We're looking at it. I'm holding it upside down. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I was worried that the printing would be too small or uh, on the. Uh, no, it's pretty good. Uh, that looks good. Yeah, nicely done. They they use that uh, shrink film that you can buy on Amazon and put use the hair dryer instead of a shrink machine. But, uh, I'll, okay. I'll also put a link in the Game On Challenge uh, yeah, channel good. where you can buy this. Yeah, and it's sold week. two ways. <laughs> like what Terry yeah. and. Uh, Rick are holding up is the uh, Coco Arcade, which is a three-pack of Coco 1 and 2 games that Nick has done recently, including Jumping Joey, so you get three games in one. <clears throat> but you also can buy it as a digital download for, for cheaper if you're not a collector and you just want the game to play. If uh, you want if the you Jumping them. Joey on its own, yeah. 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 And, and yeah. Nick will send you an electronic copy. Now, Nick, you have a bit of an announcement, I guess, for a revision that we should probably well, talk about. Well, that's right. Ever since uh, when, when it was released for manufacture unfortunately the copy that went out uh, well, after uh, after the copy went out uh, i found uh, a bug uh dealing with uh the use of the game on a uh, coco 3 when run on a coco 3 with a gimme 87 the later gimme it has a a discrepancy there somewhere where uh, the screen Flashes intermittently. Good. Um, it works fine on a Coco One, Two, a Coco Three with an eighty-six gimme on everything gimme X. bar an eighty-seven. Yeah, gimme X. And um, what's that other thing that Coco VGA? But on an eighty-seven gimme has a bit of a a problem. Uh, obviously, something that they changed in the eighty-seven gimme, which I didn't know of, and uh, yeah, only so found the timing out thing afterwards. Or so there is another update for it, which I've emailed out to everyone. And everyone who buys the, a, a copy of the game from here on, they will always they will get the digital, the, the updated copy emailed to them. So, and that's, I, I just call it version 1.1. If you have a Coco 1, 2, 3 with an 86 gimme, you won't notice any difference. And this shows you're still going. Yeah, I was I was going to tell you, Nick. It runs really well on my Gimme X. I, I, it's a fun game. Great job. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it does. <laughs> it worked quite well. Uh, Curtis found out for me. <laughs> yeah, and the Coco VJ tried both. Yeah. So question, right. question in the chat: If Jumping Jury runs on a dragon, it does. It does. It runs yeah. on uh, both uh, Dragon Thirty Two. And 64, but the music, because of a, another bug in the Dragon 64, the music doesn't play very uh, uh, very well because of some 
hardware problem in the Dragon 64. If you have a Dragon 32 or a modified Dragon 64 to fix the bug, um, it works fine. It runs at 50 hertz, though, so it's slightly slower uh, because it runs at 50 hertz on a PAL Dragon. But uh, it does work, yeah. I thought it was cool you put the Dragon on the uh, on the box copy. Yeah, and, and yeah. the disc uh, the disc that uh, it's supplied on was put together for me by Kieran of Xraw fame. It's a dual a dual access disc. It works on a Coco and a Dragon. Yep, so, same disc. You don't have to swap discs or same anything. Same disc. Yeah, yeah, the same disc works on both. Thanks to uh, Kieran, I, he's the uh, the Dragon uh, master. So I thought get the best best person for the job, and he did a good job. And um, and of course I I have to mention Buck Owens who uh, is a, a is a absolute game playing tester pro. He just plays the game so well, and I've uploaded his video on my website <coughs> so you can see what the game is like right up to level five. So for the game channel challenge, you might want to watch the video to get some uh, some tips on how how the pros play. So, because uh, Buck Owens is an absolute pro, <laughs> and that's why he didn't play the uh, last week's game uh, on Game Channel Challenge so much. He was playing uh, Jumping Joey a lot. Well, he was doing more than that too. Like, I, I definitely wanted you to mention that because he's been doing a lot of play testing for you. That's where the glitch was first discovered oh, yeah, on yeah. the eighty-seven yeah, game. Most most of the bugs uh, were found by him. So. Yeah. And then he also played Paul Thayer's recently released Cocobon and completed that game and is already designing his own yeah. levels for it now. So An he's a game playing machine. Freak. He's a freak <laughs> of gameplay. <laughs> and, and in the chat, he's asking if the uh, physical media will come up with a new version. No. Well, see, I, I haven't got control of that. That's the problem. It, once I send it, it uh, <sighs> I have to resend it to. Uh, to get uh, the updates done. And I thought, well, most people are probably going to leave it sealed anyway because it's a collectible. And I email the uh, the, the main games <laughs> anyway, so everyone gets the new version, but they keep the collectible. <laughs> well, then why worry about the instructions if no one was going to read them anyway? That's right. But, I mean, for those that do, I just like the idea that the, the instruction, the printed instructions do look good. You get the instructions as well if you download it, but you get a nice color printout in the package. And I was just worried because I had to cram in a lot of text on that one page that they give me. I have these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where? Whoop! You're muted. You're you're muted, Curtis. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say all the hardware guys on the panel, they got those big magnifying glass things, so they're fine. Well, oh, right, yeah. yeah. Put on my hood. Be good. Yeah, I've got a USB microscope if needed. Yeah, they, they didn't skimp on the print quality. It's not, you know, yeah, they, they do produce a good product. I mean, they, they're color printing, uh, the covers and the instructions, and the, and the CD. It's all well professionally printed, and they shrink wrap it. Um, so it's, that's why I say it's a, it's a collectible. For those that want a collectible item, it's a collectible. But I do send the digital copy uh, 
of jumping Joey out to everyone who bu- who buys a CD or the digital yeah. copy, of course. Also, uh, Rob is mentioning in the chat that, that he's placed an order, but he hasn't gotten the electronic copy yet. I'm assuming he must have just done that, or did you miss one? Oh. Maybe. Uh, when did he send the order? I he, he hasn't really said there. Um, Default spam filters love. Uh, or he could be lying yeah. and trying to scam a free copy off you. I don't know. It's, yeah, <laughs> everything I've ever bought from Nick has ended up in my spam filter. So, yeah, that's right. Okay, I've got an email just come in from someone, so maybe that's his. I'll check it out and uh, send it to him ASAP. It says November eighteenth. Oh, that's ages ago. I did send it. Hang on. Anyway, keep going, and I'll I'll look it check up. Check your and spam I'll, filter, I'll re- Rob. Yeah, it's in your spam, man. Yep. Yeah, we'll check that as well. What a fitting place that... for it. Rob, uh, <laughs> Rob who? Rob Inman? Yeah. Yeah, I did send yes. it. I posted it on the uh, 19th. Australian time. Australian <laughs> That's right. So that means the 18th in the US. I said it was in spam. Sorry. <laughs> I can send the same email again. No, he oh, said he found, found it. it. He found it. I he found went, it. Went to Where his spam. It? Your reputation uh, precedes you, Nick, is what we're trying to tell you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're so good at designing trash cans, because that's where every correspondence you send out goes to. That's right. They go into the trash can. <laughs> I've got them well trained. Yeah. So, hey, cool. We've got uh, next week, we've got two games announcements for uh, the Game on Challenge. We've got Able Builders for next week and then followed by Jumpin' Joey. Um, I, on the Ables, um, I do want to make one note. You cannot use the digital joysticks with it. So make sure that you actually have a uh, proper analog joystick. Yeah, that's right, because the position of the joystick is how far over you're on the screen, yeah. though, right? Yep. Like Popcorn so. or some of the other games like that, yeah. Yeah, I just figured I'd mention that because I just was trying to play it, and I'm like, (laughs) This is one you might have to dust off your Black Beauty and your real Coco computer to play. (laughs) Now, Ken, I got a question for you. Are we we still toying with the idea of maybe changing the game on segment a little bit where we play the game for a couple weeks or three weeks and then... In the new year, I was going to actually talk about that in the uh, Discord stuff afterwards, so... Cool. So there will be a little bit of changes if everybody's okay with it to the uh, game on challenge. So are we going to have overlapping games or are you just going to dedicate? Yeah, we're going to have overlapping games. Oh, okay. So there'll be at any one time, there'll be more than one game going. So when you do the live game, if there's a game that you particularly don't like, you can play the other one or any game you want. And, uh, this way, if there's a game that you like, you can actually spend more time playing it and trying to get a better score than just the one week. Yes, because the game on challenge isn't confusing enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. I like it. Well, we, we've tried it a little bit before. When we tried to do like an adventure game or something like that that you can't really. Yeah, and this way we could do adventure games more, and then but then you'd still have other games going on at the same time. So. Or you can just pick oh. two arcade games and you know make it a doublehead. Maybe two of the same, a clone of the same arcade game or something like that. So people can actually compare them at the same time too. Yeah. Lots of 
but it's going to be oh, staggered. So there'll, there'll be one new game every week, but ah, that game will go say. on for for three weeks. Yeah, two or three weeks, and yeah, okay. That, that's what I was wondering. That yeah. way, it's always fresh rather than just two weeks of the same. Yeah, exactly. that's yeah, right. good idea. Yeah. Good idea. Grant, when was the last time you played a game on challenge? It's been a while, but unfortunately, I've always I've been really busy with work coming up. But with my surgery coming up, I will have plenty of time. Okay, then 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 your opinion will count. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Anytime. Cool. So, do we want to go? Uh, we probably should have a commercial break because I haven't really had one yet. Um, yes, I need coffee. And do we want to go into news and game on new stuff after that, or do we want to go into project updates acquisitions first? Uh, nobody signed up for project and, up, and updates, so. Okay. Well, so I, I, I did. Okay, okay well. I've, I've got one, too. <laughs> oh, All right. That, Let me start my list. Oh, sorry. Who was the other person? Fred. So, so Ron, far we've got Ron, Ron and Frederick. Ron, Fred, and David, you said you had one, too? No, I didn't. Okay. David doesn't count anyway. Hey. <laughs> he can count. Okay. Yeah, put put <laughs> me down off. for next week for updates. Okay, okay. Well, if you can roll a commercial, Ken and I can run off and get a beverage. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Good morning, Coco Land. This is Brian Schubring with Music Man here at the Coco Fest. Having fun fixing issues and making things roll and making lots of sound. Have a great day, guys. The music is back. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord. Let the Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. At GSoft... We make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games.
And sorry, Atari Leaf, I cut you off before you're done. <laughs> Go ahead, Curtis. <clears throat> Shall do, just making sure I have sound turned on. Okay, you guys are seeing that, I presume? Yes. Rev it up. It's a great and pre-challenge on the Coco Show, episode 38. So, just to mention there that the new episode of the Coco Show is dropped from the Amigos, and they're covering Grand Prix Challenge, which was one of Dave Dye's first games for the Coco 3. Uh, I have to say, they came to the same conclusion, roughly, that I did. That it's, it's not one of his best efforts, but uh, to give him uh, some slack on that, it was one of the first games they did for the Coco 3 period. So, they were just learning the new hardware like a lot of other people were. And for those of you who have not seen them before, it's basically a super sprint style game with yeah, up to three players. Requires a color computer three. You can kind of see it's nice and colorful. Definitely a Coco three on the game. There's 20 tracks or 22 tracks or something. There's quite a few tracks to choose from. Some with bridges, things you pick up wrenches, etc. To, to power up your car. It's it's a fun game. It, I found the steering a bit odd. It almost felt like it was meant for a steering wheel attachment. We know Dave Dies did bring out an adapter for the Master uh, Sega Master System light gun games and stuff. So I don't know. I forgot to ask him that during the interview if I remember correctly. Oops. But anyway, the new episode has dropped and they've announced that their next challenge or their next episode is going to be a certain Nick Marini's game that we just talked about. Um, so they were recording that. I think they've switched now to doing Friday. So they alternate most of the shows. The Amiga show is every week on Fridays. And then they right after the Amiga show is recorded, they record the live version of their various other shows with the Atari, et cetera, Spectrum. So the Coco show, I think, is about three or four weeks. And I don't know if Alan Murphy or, or David Ladd, if you guys remember what time they, or what date they've got that specified for with Christmas holidays. I can I never keep up with it because they keep moving it around like your favorite show on the old TV networks. <laughs> anyway, look look forward to that one, Nick. When I find out, I'll let you know because we'll see. be sure to have you in the chat like we usually do during theirs so they can ask questions. Okay. Or, or we just slam you in general, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anything that entertains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything that juices sales. <laughs> so like i said the new episodes dropped um probably this is a game we've not done on our game on challenge yet so that's another one i guess we could try though it's more meant to be multiplayer this might be a better one to do it a, a game on challenge live at coco fest hint, hint or something next up we have chris poacher here and he's uh this is part of the micro deal group the 8-bit years this is a group that he runs on facebook and it's private you have to submit it to, uh, to get an invitation to it basically and uh, this is a kind of an interesting one. So Suzuki, <clears throat> which is a graphical adventure game put out by Spectral Associates here in uh, the States and Canada. And I think it even might have some speech sound specs port. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, he's had the original version that was sold for the Dragon. You can see it on the, the case there and also the tape. <clears throat> but what's unique here is that this is a second copy he got. And this now includes the hint sheet. This was normally sold by mail order from Mike Deal directly. Um, and you have to solve the hint sheet. The hint sheet is not in plain English. And I'll see if I can maybe zoom it up here so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so there's a table here. What It's basically a substitution cipher. And then you get these weird-looking <clears throat> text strings. So you can only pick the ones you want to have solved that you haven't solved yourself if you're really stuck. And then you can actually translate it. So you have to do some effort to translate it type thing to do the cheat. So... Uh, Kind of interesting because these are these are quite rare to find 
still around because they were not included with the games. You had to order them separately and pay for them. So uh, I imagine that, you know, if 30 people bought the game, maybe five would have bought this hand sheet. So these are pretty rare. So I'm glad he found that and posted it up. And then Paul Shoemaker has been quite busy this week here. So it looks like he's uh, converting a new game to the Coco. Uh, originally, it was released in Creative Computing Magazine in 1979. So this predates the Coco itself called Camel. Um, and he's got some animations. He's got two videos, one he put up early in the week and another one he just put up last night uh, where he's enhancing it because the original version, I think, is pretty well just text. So I'll show the first one here, shows you some of the animations. Kind of reminds me of Sands of Egypt a little bit. But I think it's more of along the lines of like an Oregon Trail style game, I'm thinking. So that's the animation of the camel walking. And then the later one he did has uh, various positions of the camel sleeping and, you know, dying and that kind of thing as, as the game progresses type thing. There he's sitting content. There is after New Year's party. And that's the part that really reminds me of Sanjay of the chewing camel. <laughs> and he's got some scrolling background there too. Even multiplane. So that looks like a cool game. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Paul's done some really cool stuff. And he uses a lower res mode, which means it doesn't take as much RAM. Uh, I think he's using P mode 1 equivalent. And uh, he always makes some interesting stuff here. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. That looks quite enhanced in the original text version. And then another one he decided to do is he's going to be producing the winter edition of Ghost Rush. So he's done the regular version and the Dragon version, the Coco 3 version, the Coco VGA version. Uh, the Halloween edition version, which was just out a couple months ago or a month ago. And now he's got the winter edition. Um, and this is one of the few times where the second palette set for the Coco 1 and 2's P-Mode 3 with the white, cyan, magenta, and orange actually works pretty good. And of course, as he's done on the Halloween edition, he's changed the music too to be a bit more uh, Christmassy. And he's got the animations here. So I'll let him play some sample gameplay. I can't remember if he's actually uploaded this yet or not. I did, did a look at it earlier in the week and I didn't get a chance to double check to see if he has uploaded yet. So if he's in the chat, he can let me know if he has, but it should be up shortly if it's not. I like the hot chocolate and the wine and stuff too. And the background graphics with a deer and the evergreen tree and falling icicles. But there's no snow in Australia right now. <laughs> he needs to do an Australian-themed one. Yeah, he should, actually. I'm going to let it play here until he gets to the third level, because then you'll see with the, the Pac-Man what it got replaced with. I think an Australian one would be confusing with everything upside down. Would everything be falling from the top, from the bottom up? Actually, yeah. He should change it so things are going from the bottom up. <laughs> I like he's got the frosty head instead of the pack, and even with the nose chomping away there. That's kind of cool. Anyway, so look forward to that coming out.
the Christmas themed version of Ghost Rush. Which I think he did a really good job, and it's one of the one of the better uses of that palette. There's not too many I can claim that for. Skiing is one, I guess. That's a gingerbread uh, buddy there. Yeah, and he had a cup a cup of hot chocolate for the one before that. I don't know what the other levels contain, but uh, yeah, that's it's a it's a nice skin for it, and and the nice you know Christmas theme music to play as well. Next up, we've got some Jim Gary here. So he's released a race demo game. Now, if you remember last week, we covered the Decruve Alice demo tutorial, which was kind of a thing that came with the Alice MC10 clone that kind of explained how a computer worked, had some interactive stuff to show you how binary worked, etc. It also included a small little semi-graphics racing car game. So Jim basically took that, translated it to English, because of course the original is in French, and then he upgraded a bit with uh, better key controls, because the original one was just using in-key, and you had to sit there and tap the key to move repeatedly. So we changed it to use the peaks, etc., that you can actually you know read the keyboard, continuously hold the key down. So I'll just play a little bit because it's basically a fairly simple racing car game. But this was kind of a preview that came with the Alice, apparently. And for any of you with an MC10 or an Alice can can download that uh, from his, his site. Now, I was going to ask, <clears throat> this, is, this is the type of game I remember I wrote one like this in the Apple II at school. Then I wrote one like this in the Cocoa where you're basically just, you know, drawing the track and you scroll. Is that something that almost everybody that's ever written a basic program or tried to write a game has done one of these? Like who on the panel here has actually written a game, you know, along this line? Maybe not exactly the same, but. In, in three different computers, four different computers? <laughs> yeah. Or even just, just the Cocoa for that matter. But I know I did. It sounds like you have too, Rick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Road Race from the uh, TRS-80 programs book. And then you decide you want to start making your own and modifying. The nicest one I did was the 99.4a because you could define characters. So you could actually define a car character. Um, I did a skiing game, which was similar to this, um, except it was in all text mode. I didn't use any semi-graphics or anything. But, yeah, similar idea, though. Yeah. Six in the chat, uh, Kieran, uh, he said, yeah, I did this for pretty much everything I encountered back then, including the Z88, which I'm not even sure what that is. Or maybe it means a Z81? No, maybe not. No, there is a Z88. Uh, what is that? He said there's not much vertical space on a Z88. I'm not familiar with that. Machine. No, it's a little LCD uh, screen, like a, a, a Tandy 100, but I, I haven't got much other information. I actually have one, but it's packed away. Well, so he's got like eight lines or something. To yeah, yeah. His display. Yeah. So it's like like, like a model one hundred or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like something cheaper like that. And smaller, I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know much about it, but yeah. And Nick, did I you know, ever write one of these for the model one or anything when you started? No. <laughs> you just skipped right ahead to making commercial games, you bugger. I think it was, it was already made for the model one. I think. Oh, I might be able to find my game that I wrote. I'll have to see if I can find it. No. Well, yeah, I, I did sort of write a game, something like that, but yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah. There was like this, the blackjack game, and uh, like the bomber game. Those were well, the three games everyone wrote in basic. How about the biosphere or the bios, uh, you know, your, <clears throat> what is it called? I'm just thinking the, the three things you could write in basic really simple. Biorhythm. Yeah, biorhythm. And, Yeah, I did do a skiing one like this too. I forgot about that, but yeah, I did. I used the up arrow or the up thing to look like trees. You're 
going through the trees is what I was trying to do. So apparently you're always skiing on green snow. I don't know what that means. I just thought it would be very interesting to see you. And it sounds like that was a comment. It wasn't just me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the, it's the yellow snow you got to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Thank God we don't have yellow trees on the Coca-1 VDG. Okay, next up, this is a kind of a follow-up. Parasrat and uh, Keys Van Oss have released the next AGD-enhanced, uh, or sorry, Super Sprite FM Plus-enhanced AGD game pack. So it's pack number six, so another four games. That puts them up to 24, I believe, now. So if you have one of these Super Sprite FM Plus boards from Dragon Plus Electronics, which we'll have a bit of an uh, announcement a little bit later on, too, there's another four games here that support the enhanced graphics and the enhanced sound. So here you can see Dirty Dozer, which just looks pretty colorful platformer. And the second one here is called Forward to the Past. It actually has a little digitized photo there. You can definitely see the graphics, uh, you know, color especially is very much enhanced from the original BDG chip. There's Magic of It's pretty nicely drawn shapes there. And then the hair-raising adventures of Mr. Hare. And I remember this title from the first time we covered it a few years back. And apparently from a few people's discussion on a couple of uh, discords I've seen, uh, that actually was a pretty popular one out of the AGD games that were released. Um, I don't remember actually playing it, but apparently it's it's one of the better ones. Anyway, it's, it's good to see that they're coming out with this. I know I mentioned last week they're also doing an impromptu survey for anybody that is familiar with the 350 games that are in the AGD games library, of which ones they should try converting next over to the enhanced Super Sprite FM Plus platform with enhanced sound and graphics. So if you go on to the Dragon group on Facebook, you can actually respond to, I can't remember who posted the original one, it might have been John Whitworth himself, I think, that posted the, the fact they want to take a, a list of games and then they'll have a vote on some of the top ones for which ones Para and uh, Keys should, should convert next. Now, these won't run on a regular Cocoa. Uh, well, if you want the original black and white versions, they will. But these ones, yeah, they require the Super Sprite FM Plus board, which work on a Dragon 32, Dragon 64, Cocoa 1, 2, or 3. Next after that. Now, I don't know if anybody here on the panel is familiar with this UG Basic. I, I don't really want to pronounce it UG Basic, but maybe that's what they mean. I don't know. But Erico has actually been fiddling with it. It's a modern isomorphic basic that can compile to a whole bunch of 8-bit platforms. Now, we've had multiple other cross-platform compiles. We've got the Interpedo guys. We've got, uh, I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. But we have a few cross-platform uh, development systems here. But they're more normally more C-like, et cetera. This one actually is basic. And uh, Erico's uploaded this little um, version of his fight, semi-graphics fighting game that was compiled using this, specifically for the Dragon 64. Now, I haven't had a chance to download it and try it myself. I don't know if anybody here in the panel has or if anybody in the chat has. Um, but I'm kind of curious to see how well this works. And Erico himself mentions they're going to be starting to really test it and to see what it's capable of in December. And we're going to actually have him and Luciano on the show uh, to talk more about the Brazilian retrocomputer show that we saw live a few weeks ago, but this time with nice, consistent bandwidth. So we can go over some of the CP400 machines and some of the peripherals, et cetera, but also talk to them about maybe you know what, what they're finding out about this engine. Has anybody on the panel or has anybody in the chat had any experience with the UG Basic? Um, so, no, so, so not me. <clears throat> There's some comments on the, the Z88 here. So it was made after Sinclair was sold to Amstrad. 
And Tom Eric thinks it was actually Sir Clive's uh, next venture. I know the chat's a, a little bit behind us here, but nobody else in the panels has heard of this or tried this. I'd well, not any heard of it, but okay. the uh, my thought when I saw some of the stuff Erico initially was posting about it on the Discord was mm -hmm. that this is probably, hopefully, our way to get the Coco version of his new version of the outhouse. So, no, oh, yeah, that's right, because he made one that they made for the PC, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. Well, if any of you have dragons or are, are familiar with uh, running the dragon emulator like XROAR and want to give this a try, because it's a free download off the dragon group on Facebook, and maybe report back next week, I wouldn't mind getting your impressions or maybe even a little quick live demo to see what this thing's capable of. So I'm not, I'm not familiar with it. Next up, uh, my drunk sibling on YouTube, which is Tim and AJ, of course. They decided to play another Coco game this week, so they're playing Color Computer one-on-one -on -one basketball. And why Tim's sitting in basket fruit, I have no idea. another sibling rivalry. I'm so excited! Oh, I am too. We're playing an oldie but a goodie for the color computer. Uh, I have no idea that it's old or new because I've never played it until today when we practiced. Yeah, we're playing one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. It's basketball, which I, you know, admittedly, I'm not a, I'm not a follower of basketball in the real world but i do know, do know who larry bird is because mom was like in love with him oh yeah yeah anyway you can watch the rest of the video to watch them actually play that's actually a much closer game than i was expecting um they almost tied well, because you can't tie officially but um there's also this this looks like when tim for the first time steals the ball from aj the look of sheer happiness on his face when he pulls that move off was was well worth the watch so definitely uh Go, go go check out the video. Um, of course, they're going to be at uh, Coco Fest with some live versions of Sibling Rivalry as well. So we look forward to that. I don't know what games they're going to be picking. If you guys have any suggestions for simultaneous multiplayer games, whether cooperative or competitive, uh, maybe make a list in, uh, at Coco Fest in April there. We'll uh, see if we can get them to try a few of them out. What, was this game OS9? No. No? No, it did boot the DOS command, but that was just a, a quick, cheaty way to... Oh. You know, not have to write type run star. Could, Maybe that's why I thought it might have been. Yeah, I think it did need 64K, though, if I remember. Or it was 32. No, I think it was 64. <clears throat> and, of course, it was programmed by Steve Bjork, so for Electronic Arts. This one here, <clears throat> Dave Veery, who's been doing a whole bunch of patches for uh, RGB monitors for Coco uh, 1 and 2 artifact games. And it's also done some patches for games recently to fix some, you know, bugs and stuff too. Um, which I'm glad to see he's he's doing that. Some other people in the community are taking that up there because Nick and I've done a few of those, but we both have our own projects we like to stick around with too. So we don't get into that that phase of things too often. But anyway, he decided to do a patch to Donkey King, um, changing the palettes and and setting it up for the Coco Three. And he chose a palette that's a bit different than the original Donkey Kong too. Like he kind of made it look a bit more unique on its own. It's actually not a bad palette, I thought. I was going to play a little bit of it here and see what you guys think of the colors he chose. I 
I mean, other than that's the same game. The one problem with it doing Donkey King as an example of this sound here um, is that the text was designed as P mode for black and white. So it does artifact, but it, it tends to over artifact in this case, since you know pieces of it are almost unreadable. But that's just the way that mode works. So, but what, what do you guys think of this more yellowish red palette than the uh, sort of mix of red and blue? Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, I like it. Well, I like it. Different. Like it. It's like an old timey wood level. Yeah. Yeah, those barrels look really wooden. This Apparently, it doesn't help you stop dying, though. So, doesn't Mario yeah. kind of look like Bagman now? Yeah, a little bit. It's a me, Bagman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like that color set. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm glad that he actually took the opportunity not just to try to make it more arcade like. I mean, the original was pretty close you know, considering what the artifact color limitations were. But he actually decided to, you know, try something a bit new. Now, he didn't play, like, through every level, so I'm I'm guessing from the fact that he did get to level two, but it's the same colors. I'm assuming he just made the game the same. I didn't know if he was planning on changing it so the palettes would change as you went uh, between levels, which he has done in some other games where he's actually had the palettes change as the game progresses. There's probably not much room left in the Donkey King image for that. So that was cool. That's it for the Game On news this week. Um, I'll switch over to the regular. Here's an intro. Okay, I'll let you go first. Got to set the screen up. Caught me asleep. Here we go. Around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news without Okay. Okay, Notice a difference? Uh, no, no, it still looks like a Muppet. Yep. <laughs> Actually, no, I was trying to get my window brought up here because I had it kind of tucked down under so I couldn't see it. So I didn't really notice anything. I got rid okay, of the first, Muppet. What's that? I got rid of the Muppet. Oh, okay. I thought he was <laughs> oh, yeah, reading the news. That. <laughs> and Sexy says, I mean, it's fine, but uh, everyone knows the king plays in black and white because, of course, they're used to the PAL version. That's his comment on Dave's palette change. Sorry, the first one up here, Color Computer Programming, actually does uh, some playing around and learning how to use the play command as opposed to the sound command, which is used in some previous videos. And I won't play the whole thing because it's 42 minutes of discovering how things work. <clears throat> and he basically duplicates the, um, it's not a piano, it's a keyboard instrument, I can't remember which one it is, from the, uh, in, my, uh, in the In My Life solo from the Beatles. And of course, since the Beatles are copyright crazy here, even though it's you know generated Cocoa, I don't want to play it just in case. But basically, it goes through learning how the play command works, how tempos work. When you're switching octaves, the fact that it switches, I think, at middle C. So even if you're thinking alphabetically A through G or whatever, the octave will change between B and C, I think it is. Like flip completely the opposite direction you're expecting, so you kind of have to adjust for that. So basically, it transcribes over the, the fast solo from the uh, original Beatles tune here. And you can kind of go right to watch as he learns it and goes through it, which well, is pretty cool. What? If we did get a strike, then that would be a badge of honor that it was that close. <laughs> well, it's also 40 some odd minutes long, so I'll, I'll let you guys check it out. But I always like his because he's news is long enough. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I like his videos because he's learning as he goes. As, as I mentioned before, that's one I know Alan Huffman likes that too, because you, you get to almost re-experience discovering the stuff yourself if you have learned some of these techniques yourself. Because uh, you sometimes have that, oh, wow, I just figured it out moment. And it kind of reminds me of those. I don't have those too often anymore because I'm dumb now. But let me go check that out. This one, I will play the entire thing. So this is Pedro Pena, known as Rocky Hill on the old YouTubes. And I think he was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he still is. Uh, but this is his assembling Ralph, which is his nickname for a 263134B Coco 2 motherboard. That's the T1 true lowercase inverse video capable VDG. That is a different pinout than a regular VDG chip. And this is his uh, working on the duplication of the board so that we'll have some more ways to get replacement motherboards if the old ones die. So I'll play this right through. I thought the um, 27B was the only T1 Coco. I don't know for sure. I don't have any of these, so. No. Now, there, there was a 16 and a 64 uh, K version. Was that what those two numbers mean? Yeah, the catalog. That's the catalog numbers. And that would be the uh, which one was like 16K regular basic or uh, 64K extended basic or any combination of them. Oh, okay. And I'll let you guys see what the board looks like. He also does a like, kind of a spot at, as he goes through showing when he's added more parts to the board. This is way too much soldering for me. I mean, I can barely handle a single resistor. Any soldering is way too much for you, Curtis. Well, yeah. Pretty much. 125, 126. Values his head. <laughs> it's pumpkin orange. Yeah. Testing. Fits in the cocoa case. Actually fires up and runs. Wow. And as usual with Pedro's stuff, it's publicly available. If you want to go get the schematics and actually get your own made, and if say you have a cocoa two that you got a crack in the motherboard that's just not fixable, uh, well, cocoa two B, I should say, um, then you can grab these designs, actually get one made up, and put it together yourself and actually have your Coco 2B up and running again. So it's, it's good we're getting all these, both on the Dragon side, I think it's Julian Hill doing most of those, and then Pedro on our side and some others as well, that are working on duplicating every single version of the motherboards uh, so that we can actually start preserving the Coco because eventually these things are going to wear out and uh, you know occasionally something gets dropped or cracked or whatever and it, it becomes not repairable. And this way we can keep the hobby going. So thank so you, Pedro. So at what Pedro. point in the past... Um, did this stuff become a, um, as a doable thing? Because, you know, back in the day we had the cocoa and then they, at some point they stopped making it. And then for people to think that, geez, we should make a new board, was the technology there to do it in the 90s? Well, some people have done homemade boards, like completely wire wrapped themselves. And you have to be incredibly patient and skillful to do that, which is two things I am not when it comes to anything hardware. I can narrow it down to between the late 90s and the late 10, you know, the teens. Um, before that, it was too much work to draw something like a cocoa by yourself. Now, with 
Well, KiCad nowadays, it's not impossible. Obviously, people are doing it. But you can you can scan a design in and proof it. And it would take a team of engineers to do this work 20 years ago. And you can do it yourself now with a PC that's reasonably good. So wow. it's uh, cool. It's very yeah, because cool. this, this is happening on all the retro platforms. There's a lot of these replacement boards and replacement parts, et cetera, that they're doing. I mean, replacing custom chips now with you know FPGA reprogrammable chips to duplicate the functionality of a chip that's no longer made by anybody. And it's like just our, a lot easier to have a circuit board produced and uh, you know it, and and ship to you, not have to etch it or anything. You know, just in small well, quantities. The, the fact that I can Xerox a circuit board and have my PC figure out the schematic of that circuit board within limits is just amazing. Yeah. Well, Rick, I think you and Mark Marlette, both in the 90s, I mean, when you guys were making boards, you guys had those little bath things and stuff that you'd have to put it through and actually right, get it right. to work. And and now you just send the design off to some other company and they send you a batch of five for the cost of what it would, you know, one board would have cost you back in the day type thing. And you had to do it all yourself by hand. Right. I, I had to draw the schematic and then draw the design, the circuit board in ink on vellum and then bribe this company up north of Milwaukee to make them for me so I didn't have to make them all myself in the NASA path. And now I just kind of send a Gerber file to China and it comes back in a week or week and a half. Yeah. Your sound is a little iffy, Pat. Yeah, it keeps going in and out. I don't know if you've got an auto level thing turned on by accident. Uh, something must be blowing up. Yeah, I've, I've been <laughs> people have been dissing me all day, or if you just can't hear me. So. Oh, I hear you. Just it comes in and out. Like it, it, it doesn't quit. It just fades and then it's loud and then it fades and then it's loud. Time for yet another reboot. Yeah, either that or just hold the mic closer. I guess is the one other thing. It might just be not quite picking you up. Oh yeah, too much noise from the heater coming on. We we are in heater season. Yes, we are. <laughs> Uh, Mark Siegel in the chat says around 2005, CAD software could do this pretty easy. So that, that kind of fits. Like you were mentioning it originally in the 1990s, you had some ways of doing it primitively. You, you had to buy time. that and do that. Uh, yeah. life, now you can just download it. <laughs> Sign Very a new good. license. Yeah. Good. But I really like the fact that this has happened because now that's one of the reasons I think retro has gotten more popular now because it used to be you had to eBay and hope you got a working one. And if it didn't work, well, I guess that's a parts machine now. And then you'd have to go find another one and hope that one works type thing. And now we have the ability to actually make a brand new circuit board that duplicates the old one or even adds enhanced functionality to it. That's just been made. So it should last for another 20, 30 years type thing. And the price of actually getting like five or 10, you know, for even for sampling, for testing, and even getting the manufactured later is way cheaper than it would have been and way less labor intensive. So I think it's a win all the way around for hardware designers. And, and the quality of the board is, you know, equal to what the factory would have been able to do back then. Yeah. I mean, you take a look like back through this area, this is one that he would have sent in to get printed. I mean, that rivals the stuff Dandy did. Right. It might be better. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Just judging by the quality of the stuff I get now. It's Everything like, socketed. So yeah. uh, fast too. The Fast 232 board, no silk screen, no solder mask, cost me $5.30 a piece. Nowadays, that would cost me two bucks with all the parts on it. You know? Yeah, like it's insane. <laughs> uh, 60 says, uh, to also in the chat, he says, yeah, these days it's both easy and free. Of course, the PCB manufacturer's pricing getting more politically interesting. <laughs> right. That's true. 
but yeah, I mean, it's it's way cheaper than it was in the old days, and way easier. And now you can you do your design on KiCad or some of these other programs, so you don't have to like do it all by hand. What's the idea of the arrows inside the two uh, sockets there? Uh, is that some electrical thing? I don't know. Uh, I think point pointing, one. Yeah, pointed pin one, which is opposite on those two sockets versus oh. the, the whole rest of the board. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, because oh, little notches on the bottom on those instead of mm-hmm. all right. right. Yeah, just that look for the sense. notch. Yep. They're, that's a good idea to have that pointing towards the notch since those two are different. That's a that's a great idea. Yeah, because otherwise, if you're just slapping chips in there, you take a look at the first one. Okay, they're all facing this direction. You start burn them up them every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 really cool. I mean, this is one part of the hobby that's really changed, just like you know, cross assembling, which I guess we both we've had that for decades, you know, cross assembling from say minis to micros in the early days, etc. But the hardware, I mean the fact you can design your own custom chips basically by using CPLDs and FPGAs, and then you know how easy it is to do circuit board now, that's totally changed in the last 30, 40 years. Like that's that's paradigm shifting, I would say. Because now people like Rick and Ed Snyder and Mark Marlette and a bunch of others can actually do all this stuff just on their own and and produce a board that looks as professional as what you'd buy straight from a computer manufacturer. You heard it first on Coco Nation. <laughs> Next one. This was, this was a cute one. It's, it's by a YouTuber I'm not familiar with, TCLEM1. So what he did here, and he just labeled it Christmas Music Kaleidoscope, and it's an hour and 20 minutes of Christmas carols played on normal instruments. It's nothing generated by Coco. But for the background graphics, he decided to use audio spectrum analyzers. So I thought that was kind of cool, because you can just let it run in the background if you want to be Coco-themed this Christmas. And you just get to watch it you know, react to the music. I won't play too much of it, because it's too early for Christmas Ooh. for me. It's still not December. Mm. And it's probably yeah. copyrated anyway. But Thanksgiving Most has Christmas carols are not. They're past copyright. So maybe the performance, it depends. Exactly. That's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Looks like He's a stretching. colorful snowflake. Yeah. But I know like a lot of people put up like the Christmas log playing Christmas carols from YouTube, some three hour video or something here. Now we have a cocoa themed one. So that's kind of cool, I thought. Yeah. It's the cocoa. Now, one thing I have log. one thing I have to find that I do have a cocoa one two actual floppy somewhere in my 700, 800 floppies here. That was a Christmas-themed cocoa thing that drew a bunch of, uh, or not drew, but loaded in a bunch of P-Mode 4 picture graphics background and had about five or six four-voice music carols done with Musica or Lyra. And uh, I far, I took a look at the archive. I can't find that same one on there with a, that certain variety. So I'm going to try to see if I can hunt that down and maybe get it uploaded for Christmas. So people right. bug and remind me here because I've only got like four weeks to do it. I uh, wrote a program that did the similar thing with a bunch of P-Mode 3 and P-Mode 4 Christmas scenes that I drew. And and then it piped music in from a cassette player through... Uh, yeah, audio on, motor on type audio, thing. Yeah, audio, yeah, exactly. And that was that was fun. Did that for a while. I still have those programs somewhere. Yeah, those, those are fun. Uh, and now we've actually got some ways you can actually record the audio onto a, a WAV file along with the actual program tool. So you can actually run it totally off cassette just by playing it in from an MP3 player or whatever. And actually it will you know do the audio tracks too. I know some of the Dragon people and some of those educational programs for the Cocoa, they've got that actually working. Uh, nice. Back so, in the yeah. day, I used to buy um, a cassette that was a loop and you could um, play music, uh, you know, whatever songs that would fit on it because I don't know remember how long they were but it would loop so 
it would never end. You just hit play and it would play. Yeah, I know uh, music. I had a jukebox program that kind of did that. It was just text based. It just, you know, you'd select the songs or you say play all, repeat, and you hit key. Um, I'm trying to remember if the one I'm thinking of, like the one I have, it has a few graphics and stuff loaded in as well as just Christmas carols. I can't remember if it actually went perpetually forever, if it only played through the song once. I mean, it wouldn't be hard to change, but I'll, I'll definitely see if I can find it. It was just one disc and had about four or five images and four or five, four voice Christmas carols. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah, I know Silver Bells was one of the first songs to play. That's one I remember, but I'd have to find the disc. Unfortunately, my disc labeling is kind of terrible. Well, here's so. the determining factor is if the songs are done well, then you like to listen to it over again. If the songs are kind of, <laughs> then when it ends, <laughs> then you stop like, it. Okay. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next up, this was mentioned both on Facebook, which is the post I'm showing here. It was also mentioned on the uh, Cocoa List. Uh, so this is Don Barber. He says, I made a thing, a USB serial pack for the color computer. It simulates the 6551 ACI interface as the original RC32 pack did so that all your original Cocoa software works with it just fine. And he's released the design as open source on his GitHub. And some people in the comments actually tried it. And it works with things like Twilight Terminal by Sockmaster, which is a program, from the sounds of it, I don't think Don had ever seen before, but he was quite impressed with. I'm assuming it would also work with Roger Taylor's Netmate then, too. So if you want to do some ANSI BBSing and stuff here, uh, you could. Now, he does give you a note here saying this is not a USB host. It will not support plugging in peripherals like mice and keyboards. It is a peripheral for a modern PC. So it's been solely for serial. Now, I'm, I'm guessing if you had a serial mouse and you ran a driver that knew how to talk to it on the Cocoa side, which we definitely had back in the day. I'm sure Rick remembers those. Um, then I think you probably could run a mouse on it if you if you got no. like a Microsoft Serial Mouse. No? No, because again, that would require the USB host, which this does not support. This is a client device, which means it is the device that plugs into the PC, not the other way around. Oh, the PC runs it. Not, not uh, okay, I get you. Darn, I thought there was a loop around it <laughs> any more details on it david because i don't know too much about the project stuff from i briefly read but i think you actually were talking back and forth with them weren't you yes um so this uses a ftdi 245r chip which is something i've been looking at for a few years now um it looks like from the pc side as a serial port no big thing right yeah but on the other end of it it's not serial it's actually a 8-bit parallel fifo which means <clears throat> you could hook it to the coco bus with of course the appropriate interfacing circuitry and you could have higher speed data than trying to do the whole serial that you would like with the 6551 since this is emulating the 6551 in spirit but you're not getting the limitation of trying to crc check all the bits that are coming across it's just parallel <clears throat> and so it's able running faster then is what you're saying that that's what i'm 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 believe and this is the project that i said i wanted to do several years ago but I was too lazy to actually get off my butt to do it. Um, 
this is what I wanted to do with creating a physical recreation of the Becker port on the Coco. But this is better because all the software can use it. Yeah, like they were running through some of the terminal programs they tried and they had no problems with any of them. So, I mean, there's quite a few places you can actually log into these days over the net to get to. So you don't so, have to dial, dial a number or anything? You just hook up? Well, no, because this, you plug the USB cable into a PC. The PC sees the serial port. On the Coco, it's the software sees that it's a 6551, even though it's not. And so it's just a like a no modem cable. Think of it as a no modem cable. Okay, that's better. Yeah. But yeah. but but without the limitations of the sixty five fifty one. Now you can go into the PC and set the uh, parameters for the uh, USB port, right? The well, you'd set the parameters, but it shouldn't matter because the the baud rate is pointless at this point because there it's just. The FIFO fills up. If the Coco sees data there, it will suck the data out of the FIFO or vice versa. Of course, I doubt that the, the Coco could crank enough data out to fill the output FIFO before the PC could drain it. So, yeah. <laughs> so in the case of NetMate or, or, or SOC Masters, it should easily run at 19.2 equivalent thereof. Should. So um, they just choose uh, the uh, RS-232 pack, right? Yes. Yeah. That's um, the big thing. It's it's totally compatible, so you don't have to like patch things or do anything weird. It's just so, all your old programs you're used to using for the Narset feedback will just work with this. So <laughs> let let me I don't know if he's replied on the Facebook post there. Um I need to get to the the um list. Give me a moment. But he okay. did reply to my request. On the serial link. So he goes. Uh, let me... oh, while you're looking there, I'm just going to mention that the uh, he's actually got uh, on Thingiverse, you know, how to make a duplicate case for it, even for the board. So you can actually make mm -hmm. it look like a professional, you know, RS-232 pack, basically case and all. So just off the list uh, from what he goes, because I replied to a post that he had. So he goes, thanks, David. Got HDB DOS burned to a ROM and NOS 9 RS-232 booted. Make a read runs at 2 minutes, 23 seconds, which I don't know if I would trust the time on that because when you're doing anything with drive wire, the interrupts are turned off, which means you're not getting timer counts at all. <laughs> but that means that drive wire is working over this device so oh, cool. um which people which this is going to be something really important ron klein has been using the rs232 packs that i modded for him to have hdb dos in the rom and he's been running drive wire through the rs232 pack on a coco one at 115 200 without any issues which is definitely better than the 38400 you can normally get on a Coco One with the Bitbanger. So think of how much more speed you could have with this without the serial limitation. Cool. So he's I'm glad you're keeping abreast of the story there and talking to him. So please continue if there's any updates or 
clarifications you want to add to it later after talking with him, David, let us know. Well, and the other thing that a lot of people won't realize, which I think he's got listed, if you scroll up on the, the thing a little bit, on, on the page, the addresses. So you can set with the dip switches the addresses from FF00 to FFFF, which means you can set the address. You could have more than one of these, and you could theoretically have one on the modem ad, the the pack the modem packs address as well, and you could run two of these under OS nine or different things like that. Um, so could could you host a multi user BBS this way, going through the PC? possibly using like uh, what are those the Landtronics boxes? You could have each or not Landtronics, sorry, because that's not um, USB. Um, so you could use a PC routing TCPs to each of the serial ports and theoretically yes you could because I do know like the AlphaSoft BBS for example supported it up to eight users because we were using it at work um, pieces of it anyway so that, that would, you could even set up like a multi-user multiplayer game on a hosted on a Coco going through this to the, the PC to actually get out to the internet as a whole but That'd there's cool. there, there's a lot of options I see that this can be used for just because not only for the serial emulation for the serial um, devices or software packages, then you could connect to the PC side and use whatever software that you'd want to use there. But the DriveWire side, which I just see huge performance boost using this device. Cool. Ron, you had a question? He doesn't make these. He just makes it available for you to purchase and put together yourself. You, Dave, do you know? No, I don't know, but look he does the have the Gerber the so that you can make it. Yeah, look. But I don't down. think I don't think he sells it. But again, that's something that you would probably go on need to go on Facebook and ask him through this thread that he's got there, Ron. So yeah. if it's something that you might be interested in. If he sells it, great. If not, we might have to find someone that might want to make these. Um, and if someone did want to make these, I'd probably suggest um, after testing, you know, a small batch, maybe then make a large batch with the gold plating. That way you don't have to worry about the corrosion issues. Retro rewind. Yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, that's one one thing we have a, a little bit of a a break in the community, a tiny bit, I guess, is a lot of the hardware designers, just like the designing part. That's the fun part. They don't want to do the manufacturing. And for a lot of us, you know, more software-oriented people, we don't have the capability of building these ourselves. I sure as heck wouldn't want to try. I'd just wreck something. So well, maybe some of the ones that seem to be a bit more common or more popular, uh, might we might arrange for certain hardware manufacturers to make them. Well... You know, um, that's kind of how I felt when I designed the PS2 mouse adapter. I was more designing the first one for me because I wanted it because I was tired of messing with the ball mouse that comes with the cocoa. It was very annoying. So <laughs> it's, it makes a great defensive weapon, though. Um, well, I've got other things that could be used for a weapon like a bowling ball or um, floppy you know, drives. <laughs> No, CDs work better because if you know if you just nicely sharpen the outsides and then throw the CD, yeah, you can pretty much cut someone's throat with it. But um, 
<laughs> now we're getting off topic. <laughs> well, we might have a defense show. Ken, Ken, like Ken basically says the support. same thing in the chat there too. He said hardware products are announced and die, and that's that's one one issue. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that can actually keep up with the manufacturer, at least arrange for somebody else to do the manufacturing, so they can be a sold item for people that don't have the hardware skills to do these themselves. I mean, just because you have Gerber files doesn't mean I can do anything. I can look at them on the screen. And go, that's pretty. Well, I know, like with Mark Overholzer, um, he's been waiting on parts because there's some parts that are just hard to get at the moment so you know um, my last three projects have been designed off of things i can buy not things that i want to build and yeah that's just where we're at right now yeah unfortunately that's affecting all of us anyway it's it's a big project uh dave if you can kind of keep up the date on it you know any other things that are happening whether any tests that have been done etc what what it's all capable of doing um Keep keep us abreast. Oh, I will, especially if I can somehow manage to acquire one myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next after that, um, and I believe Ron, I think you have tested some of these and actually got postings of them on your yep. uh, Ron's Garage page. So Sheldon McDonald has made a version of the Matrix Rain effect, which is the text characters kind of floating down the screen. Wrote in machine language. Now, this version actually works in the Cocoa 1 and 2 on a 32-column screen, which I don't believe has been done before except in BASIC. So I, I think we showed it just actually in the last couple of weeks there was a BASIC one, but it basically only does one or two lines at a time because BASIC's not that quick. So this one here actually uh, will do the multi-columns just like the original version. And, of course, uh, Sockmaster did the original Cocoa 3 version. Uh, but that's available for download on the Cocoa Facebook group by Sheldon. And uh, Sheldon's apparently still working on a Genesis game he's working on for six to 8,000. He's also still working on his uh, hockey game, too, I think, if I remember correctly. But um, if I remember the comments here, I think this is Sock's version here, isn't this? Yeah. Yes. So this is courtesy of Ron. So that's showing the 80-column yep. version. And then I think I've got a video that he did of the actual one here. That was just a 49-second clip here, so I'll just play it in its entirety. You guys can get a little commentary. You can see a little bit of the source code on here as well. And this is using the new tool he's been working on for doing your own projects, which actually will handle multiple CPUs and multiple computers. He's actually got this particular thing working with both the Sega Genesis hardware, designing programs for that as well as the Coco. So play that for a bit. It's pretty quiet. Hello, Sheldon McDonald here again. So I adjusted my uh, matrix program a little bit. Um, so now it's doing 60 of them. I think that's what I was doing last time. Um, but now it looks a little better. It's a, it's a neat effect. For those of you who watched the Matrix movie, which is from the late 90s, it's a, it's a pretty cool effect. Simple, but cool. At any rate, if you want to try that out on a Cocoa 1 or 2, you can download the actual disk image from the Cocoa group on Facebook. You need an always nine screensaver that does that. Uh, there used to be one. Unfortunately, it's one of the things I lost when my hard drive died. So, unfortunately, I don't have it anymore, and I haven't seen it anywhere else that I've tried. have to rewrite it from scratch, I think. Take the basic version and do it in basic 09. Yeah, that would speed it up a bit, <clears throat> especially on the 32-column screen. 
Okay, this is an announcement from the Coca Crew podcast. Now, this actually affects multiple retro podcasts. Uh, what has happened here is that Cyberiers, which has been their host for the audio podcast, is actually going away. And I don't know the full details of what happened with Cyberiers. I don't know if it's a money issue or they just get tired of what's going on. But I know the Retro Computer Roundtable uh, podcast is also having to switch off of Cyberiers for the exact same reason because basically it's, it's going to be gone. So in the case of the Coca Crew, they've now switched to Anchor FM. So that's where you'd have to go to get your RSS feed to let you know when new episodes are coming up. Uh, we were not on Cyber, so that's not something that's going to affect us. Uh, possibly also have video support and stuff too, which I don't believe Cyber's ever had. But just just so people are aware of that, and also any of the other retro shows you get in the uh, podcast form, like the Retro Computing Roundtable, and and multiple other ones, they're all going to have to be switching off. So just kind of a public information there. Now, Mr. Dave, we mentioned that you did the patch for the Donkey Kong RGB, which you can see down over here on the second row. And he's also been doing some other ones for some of the Game On Challenge we've done recently, including Electron and Stinger. But he's also had some people asking questions about how to use debug uh, commands in EdTasm. Now, he's using uh, Robert Galt's modified EdTasm of the Cocoa 380 column here, and he's released about five videos. Now, unfortunately, he doesn't have any commentary, so you're just kind of learning by looking at what he's doing on screen. I think these would actually do better with even a bit of a voiceover to kind of explaining things a bit as well. But basically, I'll show you how to set up the software interrupts and, uh, you know, how to basically trigger them off so you can actually get registered dumps as you're running code, etc. So if you've never used the debug stuff in EdTasm, uh, it's a good set of little tutorials here. And they're fairly small. They're, you know, four to ten minutes, basically, uh, showing you exactly how to use that. And I think for the assembly language programs on here, I used it a tiny bit when I was first starting with EdTasm, and then I switched to OS9, and then I can just literally debug from another window where I can peek into the program while it's running. I don't have to set up any software interrupts. Um, but uh, something like this, I think, Nick, you're one of the oddballs. You almost never use this, do you? That's Nick Morandi's, by the way. Uh, no, I don't have bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just about laughed stuff out of my stomach there. Um but you you generally don't do this. You use like palette tricks no. and stuff like that instead. Yeah, yeah. And any other of the uh, people on the panel here that have done some assembly program? Have you ever used the uh, Zbug stuff? A little bit. And did you find it hard to understand? Or um, back in the eighties when I first gave it a whack, yeah. Now, <laughs> nah, it's all right. Oh, okay. So if you go to Dave's channel on YouTube, which is uh, Dave and Sharon Veery, um, he's got a whole bunch of Coke related stuff. As you can see here, if you scroll up a bunch of the game color patches and stuff, stuff, stuff from his uh, games that he's been designing himself. Does some stuff, stuff with the Alice, which I didn't realize he was doing here. He's done some Alice 32 programming as well. And uh, now five videos showing you how to use the debug mode in EdTasm. Next up, we have Jim Gary again. Now, this is the full demo of the uh, special Alice tutorials slash demo program. Now, when I played parts of it last time, that was not all of it. That was about 16, 17 minutes. This one here is 22 minutes long and includes a couple things that I didn't show. I'm not going to play it again here because you guys can go check it out. It's a long video. But uh, it's cool that he converted it A to English. So you can actually read it here in North America and Australia. And also cool that uh, it's been resurrected for the MC10, which never actually had it, because it's a pretty nice little demo, as we showed last time. 
Okay, next up, uh, Jim posted this link. This is something I missed. This was actually released on October 31st on the Quantum Bits website, and it's a blog entry called on retrocomputing Matra Hatchet Alice 90. And this is in a pretty extensive article. It's huge and tons of pictures. So he goes through a bit of the history of the MC10, the original Alice, the Alice 32, and then up to the Alice 90. And then he kind of like refurbishes it, and then he does some tests on it. He shows what comes in the package. So here you can see like the original MC10 and the original Alice, which we've pretty well seen before. Um, some of the artwork they used back then, the carrying case that contained the Alice, which is kind of cool. Like we never saw here, the Alice 90, which is kind of a weird wedge-shaped keyboard. Um, some articles that were written on it back in the day. This is an unreleased one. This one I had not seen before, the Alice 8000. So this is one they prototype and never actually manufactured. It yeah, looks a lot says, like the terminals that they used in France. For yeah, it does. It reminds me of that, yeah. But they said they had about 250 machines that were produced and then destroyed, though a few did survive. Hmm. But that's that's if you're into collecting, that's the rare one to get. It almost looks like a Mac with an external keyboard holes, too. But there's also emulators for the Alice 90, so we go through a little bit about that. And, um, you know, like I said, interface stuff that's shown there. Some quick little demo programs. You can see the enhanced text mode that the Alice 90 had. Some of the enhanced graphics modes here. That's kind of a Pac-Man style game. And then he receives one. And you can see the separate carrying case for the Alice 90, because of course there's different cutouts because the computer's a completely different shape. And then what come came with the bundle, including a red cassette recorder and some sample games and programs. But he goes through extensive here, like he goes through every little bit of cleaning it and you know how to take it apart. Like here's taking apart the keyboard and it's got the standard, you know, Mylar connector like we're used to on the Coco. I'm just going to blur by some of these here because he's got so many pictures. There's got the motherboard separated from the keyboard. And there's washing up the case. Wow. And it comes up quite a bit brighter on the new, newly washed version. Same stupid little screws like we have on the Coco too to take your keyboard apart. It's all my, in fact, I think these are the exact Coco spongy little things isn't it because even the green yeah. spring which has slightly more tension than the other ones yes. in the space bar is from the coco that is exactly tandy's design it is yeah no i did read that Ma hatchet or matra one of the two actually did have a contract with tandy to co-manufacture some of the tandy stuff so they actually made their own versions of the tandy manufacturer on tandy's behalf basically so i'm guessing that's where they got these parts from they just decided to use it in their own design as well because the keyboard itself is quite different, as you can see here. Similar layout, though the brake key is away on the left, where the Alt key would be on a Coco 3, which is kind of different. Mm -hmm. But they do have the diamond-shaped uh, arrow keys and stuff. And then, of course, it's got all the you know hotkey commands for basic statements. And the Zerti, of course. And it's got dirt and collects crap, just like the Coco one does. <laughs> and he goes in and individually washes it all out and Scrubs them all down, cleans the mylar. Gets in some details there on some other things on the motherboard. Wow, a lot of pictures, all right. Yeah, and I mean, if you guys wanted that, an intricate view of everything that ever happened in an Alice 90, this yeah. is a perfect blog post. Yeah. And of course, you have to use WD-40 because you use WD-40 with everything. What was that top spray? The one above that. That one? Uh, yeah, what to say? Rit? Electro, uh, electro. I know it's in French or German. It's or something. contact cleaner. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
probably like Deox, something similar to Deoxit, probably. Yeah, yeah. Because WD forty is evil on plastic. So. <laughs> and here it mentions like the Alice ninety is powered by a sixty eight oh three P, which was manufactured by Thompson, running at one megahertz, which is a sixty eight oh two with one hundred twenty bytes of RAM, a timer, programmable parallel I/O lines, and a serial port. Also used by the Alice for sound generation. Then it goes into the ROM. It has a 16K ROM with a built-in assembler, which was kind of cool. And mm. uh, the RAM itself and some of the other gate arrays, video chips, et cetera. That uses the Thompson EF9345, which has compatible modes with what the VDG had, but also adds in 40 and 80 column modes. Um, you know, the higher they graphics, gimme before the gimme. What's that? A gimme before the gimme. Kind of on the way there, yeah. I don't think it had pallet registers or something, you know, a bit more advanced, but pretty close. And there's the painstaking. I remember doing this cleaning mine once here, trying to put all this damn stuff back together. And then losing the springs when you try to flip it over to put the keyboard on or something. Anyway, I'll go through the whole rest of it, but basically it's a very intricate look. And then he goes through and actually has software demonstrations from the software that came with it, et cetera, too. So if you ever wanted to know everything there is to know about the Alice 90, this is the perfect blog post. I'm glad he pointed out because I totally missed it. And I was checking for news back at the end of October. So thank you, Jim, for pointing it out. And thank you to Fred Belaish. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's the guy who actually wrote and took all the pictures here of doing the refurb of Vanellis Night. Yeah. Next up on the Dragon side of things, we have Julian Brown, who's the one who's recreating the Dragon 3264 motherboards, kind of like Pedro's been doing with the Cocos. And this is a quick and dirty ROM replacement. You can see the picture here. Uh, it's a double ROM format, but wiring ready to replace both ROMs with a single chip. And then you have a jumper switch, which lets you switch between two ROM images. Um, it's actually memory space for more, but not easy to put enough switches and jumpers into it because it's fairly small. So that he kind of announced here earlier in the week. And then he did a follow-up of actually showing it installed because he got a couple of samples back to actually put it inside a Dragon itself. He said it's a nice simple on the replica, but a perfectly tight fit on a Mark II board. I'm not sure how many revisions of the Dragon uh, motherboard there was. I do know there was at least a few here. He said it was not intended to be so tight, but it's well aligned, but I'll take it. And he's still waiting for the new replica board revision to arrive six days to get to the UK, one day to get to my local depot, another seven days to get lost, which I'm sure Nick's had experience with getting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it looks like it, it will work even with his new replicate version of the dragon too so that you'll be able to do a dual rom system in there with just a flips you know jumper switch here just put between the different roms so that's cool Ooh, you know what there's what? enough room in there he could have put it put the dallas uh shadow clock chip right right in in the middle of that that socket so that way he could have had a real-time real -time clock. clock on there <laughs> ah, yeah i like the way you think mr dave <laughs> And then we got some good news here. John Whitworth, who is the guy in charge of Dragon Plus Electronics, who does a Super Sprite FM Plus board, as an example, we talked about earlier in the AGD Games uh, section. He's finished his second round of uh, leukemia treatments, and the store is now open again, because every time he has to go in for these, he's kind of wiped out, so basically shuts the store down temporarily. And uh, he's, he's back out again and got the store back up and running. So if you want to get a Super Sprite FM Plus board, hopefully there should be some coming along soon. Um, it, the fact that he's doing this, I'm assuming means the treatments went well. So I'm hoping everything works well for him and that, uh, the cancer stays away. So congratulations, John. And the last little bits here are both from Tim Gilbert and uh, Tim Gilbert's, I should say, and he's actually been on dragon talk here 
And we saw him also at the last Dragon uh, 40th anniversary show uh, when they were walking around doing the tours. So what he found here is a couple of information sheets for the Premier Dragon Disc Operating System, originally by Premier Publications, that was sold back in the day for the Dragon 32. Now, this was a more advanced DOS than we're used to in Disk Extended Basic, which I'll show you a few things about that soon. <coughs> but they basically consisted of both a price sheet, and they sold it as either just a controller or you could buy it with you know, pre, pre-done drives in the, in the case, et cetera. So you can see the prices here. These are in pounds, of course. So the controller itself plugs in the game cartridge, $99.95, which is a little bit more than I think we probably would have gotten here. But th- these things were much more expensive in the UK. And then you got one here where they came with a 40-track single-sided drive, which has a single density, too. It's uh, 100K. And then a Delta II, which is double-sided drive. And then you get into uh, twin drives and all up to this maximum one here, which is uh, controller cartridge, cables, manual, two double-sided 80-track Canon drives, 800K storage for $679.95, which is... Wasn't the pound like two bucks back then? Yeah, about two twelve, two fifteen. So yeah, you're talking like thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars US. Um, yeah, uh, you know, two hundred ten bucks for just the controller type thing. That's like buying Apple floppies back then. <laughs> yeah, or Mac stuff a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the Apple drives were five hundred dollars. Yeah, well, I mean, the initial Coca one with with the controller was eight hundred Canadian when it first came out. I remember that. That was a double side, a double density drive though. So this here is their second sheet that he scanned in. And this is basically kind of describing the, the premier Dragon disk operating system. And they list some of the keywords here. Now, some of these, of course, you'll recognize like save and load and run and dir and all that kind of stuff. But there's some extra ones that you know, we're not familiar with, like um, config. And this lets you configure the drive from within the basic disk operating system itself. You can tell it how many tracks it has, whether it's, uh, double-sided or not, what the step rate you want to be is. And you can oh, just type good. config and... What's, sorry? That's a good feature. Yeah, it is. And then they have assign. This allows the user to rename file names and assign a protection status. Copy and backup provide program copying facilities. Now, the assign there, I'm assuming that means you can kind of like in software write protect the files so you can't accidentally overwrite, which is cool. OS 9 has that, but this basic never did. Uh, pen basically is the equivalent of uh, merge. It uh, allows a second basic program to merge with the resident one, even though the line numbers may not be consecutive. Uh, load, save, and run are basically you know what we're used to, but they also have the chain command, which is the same as run, but all variables from previous programs are retained, as are all open files. So you can actually make a large basic program in chunks and have it just chain between the different chunks of code while keeping your variables. That's something I know a few people in the Discord have asked about. That they, can you do that with our disk basic, and as far as I know, no. I don't know if somebody else has some way of doing it. I know uh, William Astle is working on his new LW basic, is is considering trying to do something along that line himself. But that's definitely an addition. That's something that's not normally built in. Um, it also supports full random and sequential files. We also have that here, except they were called direct and uh, sequential. But this is something new here, too, both of which are enhanced by a revolutionary find command, which allows comprehensive searches of records. And wildcard characters are permitted in the search parameters, and the search area can also be specified with up to eight files open simultaneously. You can actually search records just built into basic without having to actually write all the code to do it. You just tell it to find it. And you can do, like, find, you know, Rick Star for anything that Rick Ulan posted on, that you've captured onto, uh, you know, the list server or something like that. So that's a cool command. 
Don't do that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there's the basically it, it looks like a more powerful DOS than we got. Um, a pretty decent one by the looks of it. And so there's other ones I'm not going to cover. Yeah. Sorry? What's flush? Uh, Might have to flush a buffer. Probably had to close a file or, or to flush the RAM copy of it out so you don't accidentally corrupt a file or something. Yeah, like that's that. another one we don't have. Yeah. Dim number sign, I think that's more like our files command where you can specify random access file providing you know, the, the size and structure type thing. I think it's along that line. They don't go into everything here. This is just kind of the promo sheet for it, but that shows some of the stuff that they had in there. And quite a bit of that we never did have on the Cocoa side of things unless you had a really enhanced DOS like ADOS or um, what's the one in Rainbow that the guy Colin Stearman wrote a whole sequence of articles of enhancing DOS camera name. Cooking with Cocoa was the call. Can't remember the name of the DOS. But pretty cool. They had some pretty advanced stuff there. And uh, does that justify the cost difference? Probably not completely, but it, it helps. Go ahead. So you can't okay. just pop that into our cocoa, huh? A... <clears throat> well, it wouldn't nah. be compatible. Um, and I think it wasn't theirs usually over NMI based, I think. Not, or no, ours is NMI based. Theirs was FIRQ based, I think, or something like that. Now, Sixie in the chat here mentions, and I'm glad he's here to, to straighten this out because I don't know these types of things, but he said uh, Delta wasn't very popular, though, because there was an official DOS, even if it was worse, which is the Dragon DOS one I think he's talking about. But that even supported 40 and 80 track drives, if I remember correctly, which ours didn't. They just left it 35 track and never changed it. Yes, that, that is true. And the Dragon DOS also stores that information in the track data, I believe. Uh, I'm sure Kieran can can uh, validate that, but it's nice because you can use 35, 40, 80, 80 double-sided, yeah. single, whatever. I really wish Tandy, when they bothered to do the 1.1 upgrade, which was a year or two after the original 1.0, they fixed some bugs. They added the DOS command to boot OS 9. They, they still had a K and a half empty on that 8K ROM. They could have added some of this stuff. I don't know why they didn't. But, oh, well. Anyway, that's the news for this week. Well, ADOS did some stuff, didn't they? That basically... Yeah, they did a lot of enhancements, both the original ADOS, the ADOS 3 for the Cocoa 3, and the ADOS 3 Extended, which is for, you know, Cocoa 3 with a 16K ROM. Um, and then, and of I course... Think... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and don't forget the patches to correct for some of those issues with... Uh, um, RGB DOS and HDB DOS. Yeah. Yeah. Those came a fair bit later. And I see Alan has joined us. Alan, did you have something you wanted to talk about or show off while you're, while you're hey, here? Hey, hi, Curves. Well, I do. I, whenever you do updates, I was going to give an update on the Cocoa DB boards. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we have not done updates yet, and I'm done the news, so. Now it's time for updates. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Bing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good timing. So, do you want to just go right into mine then, Curtis? Yeah, and then we'll get into Fred okay. and uh, I can't remember okay. who else had updates. So, uh, you've probably uh, seen on Discord that yeah. uh, I'm trying to uh, get the Cocoa DV boards back into production and, and make those available for sale. And uh, it's been a lot of hard work to uh, to source all the parts and pull everything together. And uh, have you been hitting uh, the same chip shortages that a lot of other people that are? Oh, yes, for sure. Like. 
the whole world is is devoid of all of the FPGAs and CPLDs that most of us were using for so many years, and um, they're unavailable. And it, I had originally thought that that they would start to become available towards the end of this year, you know, a couple of months back, but that didn't happen. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of, of like hobbyist level FPGAs, like the, the Altera chips that, that we were using and the, uh, like the one used in Coco VGA and the one that I was originally using in Coco DV. And those are just gone. So, uh, so I retooled and and changed ICs to a, a newer chip that's that's easier to get, uh, and that was the key to to be able to, to bring it back into production and get that going again. But uh, so uh, a lot of folks have jumped on board and and have bought some, and uh, I'll just show you like the latest sort of incarnation of it if that's going to show up. Is that coming through? Okay, so uh, this is the board. It's way out of focus, isn't it? You can try putting your hand behind it. That's a trick that Taylor and there Amy use it sometimes. So it got it. It had it briefly there. Okay, there we go. Okay, and. Um, there's now a connector board. So there's a board that you, you place in the back of the, uh, the cocoa and, um, it's like this. So it has, um, as the HDMI connector, uh, it has your RCA jack for, for cocoa sound. And, uh, there's a push button to, to change video modes. And then there's a spare push button. And, one neat little thing is that the boards are now connected with an FFC flex strip cable. So, you know, one of these little, little guys like you see in a, in a laptop or a cell phone or a, a drone or whatever, uh, they're really easy to route, you know, to, to bring these under the keyboard to get them to the back of the case. So it, it makes that easy for you to, uh, to put that in. And Here's what one looks like installed in the, the case back. Okay, so you do have to drill a few holes there to, to put it in. Yes. Yeah, because, I mean, unless you want to try to figure out some way to, yeah. <laughs> like, like a little 3D printed box just to uh, put that board in. Like make it external the, or something? Yeah, you, you can the cable. Oh, you yeah, could. Yeah, make it external, and uh, oh. you can route that cable just out the vent hole or something. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is the ribbon cable would fit through the vent hole in the top. So, yeah, you could put a little 3D box up there. Yeah. So is this like a Coco VGA? Yes. It's like it is. It's like a Coco. So the idea of, of both of them was to take an old Coco 1 or Coco 2 and, and just give you another video option besides the RF output. Uh, so this is just another uh you know an alternate form of, of a coco vga yes except you have enhancements like extra sound and uh sprites and stuff too don't you it does it, it has the the sprite support so the you know the primary thing is to get people's old coco you know back into shape for making you know outputting video because sometimes 
the, uh, the RF quality has deteriorated over the years. So although there's not as much interference over the airways as there used to be, the, uh, the, the tunable components and the caps have just shifted over time. And it's, it's still not very clean, and there's a lot of yeah. And some TVs don't even support yeah. it anymore either, so that's another reason. Some don't. Uh, we can you can usually find something that something old enough from a thrift store or, or wherever. But um, and then secondarily is you know you can now add some really cool features like the sprites or the SID sound or things like that. You know, like on Coco v, VGA, they they've been able to add some video modes and, and some other palettes and yeah palette changing. So, um, but to not get too caught up in that, you know, because um, there's not a lot of software out there that's going to support a lot of those new features yet. Maybe someday there will be some software that, that supports it. But really, it just gets people back into liking their Coco 1 or Coco 2 again. And you can actually stand to use it every day. You know, you're not banging on the RF modulator or wiggling cables and trying to get it to work. So a lot of people have have said, "Well, I have I have all these old Coco twos. Let me go dig one out." And and they've ordered a Coco DV and, and gotten their system up and running again. A lot of people have just had them in storage and just didn't enjoy using them as much anymore because maybe they don't have a TV. And this allows them to to be able to pull some of those out and, and make them usable again. Um, some people, um, some of the boards don't already have the VDG in a socket and they'll send the, the Coco to me and I'll, you know, add the socket here and install the whole thing for them. Uh, but, but for the most part, people are finding that they either already have a socket for their VDG or they're willing to try it themselves and, and they've had a lot of success with it. Now, does that work with a T1 VDG with a different pinout too, or do you have a special version for that? It does. Uh, there, it's the same piece of hardware, so uh, you just get a different firmware load. So when someone orders, I just ask, do they want it initially loaded with the P or with the T1? And if if they want to, you know, pick one and they can change their mind later, then they want to order the programming cable also, so they can load the flash chip with with a different firmware to support the other chip. Okay. So it doesn't need a new socket. You just rewire the pins through the chip itself type thing. Through the chip itself. Virtually. Yeah. Right. I think there it's six of the data bus pins, six of the eight data bus pins just reverse themselves like that. And so it's, it, it accounts for that. And there's a little bit different signal timing uh, at, at the pins of the VDG when you compare the P to the T1. So it accounts for the, the timing difference and for the, the, the pin out change. Okay. Well, it's good to yeah, hear you actually figured out a solution to the, the chip shortage and actually can get them up. Yeah. So um, I've purchased materials. So I, I've had some hiccups just getting it flowing. But, you know, whenever anyone who's made something in the past, you know, you you, you make five and that goes okay. And then like you try to make 10 or 20 and, and you start getting the, oh, I'm running out of this, I'm running out of that. And you know, you need to invest money to, to purchase all of this, this stuff. Uh, so I finally gotten it into the flow where I I have enough to to build a, a lot every weekend as I need to, and and I've uh, not seeing any shortages in FPGAs or other components. So it, it's nice. It's looking good. Okay, okay Alan, and then, I got, go ahead. 
I got a question for you, Alan. Sure, um, do you have a cocoa VGA yourself? No, I, I want one though. I just haven't um, ordered one yet. Okay, well, Brendan, well, Brendan's my, short on chips too, so he can't. My, my yeah, question I saw is, that there were some being sold at Cocoa Fest, but I, yeah, I don't see them back yet. All right, my question is: um, the Cocoa VGA has a, a program called um, View Viewer, and I'm able to make these uh, 128 by 96 um, pictures. You know. And I'm wondering if if I got yours, would I still be able to run that and um, see those images? Does it use the standard Cocoa graphics? It kind of does a remapped when it, it takes a a 6K image and makes a 120 by 96 by 16 color. You can set the palette, so it's kind of a new mode, but based on. Oh, I don't original. have the new mode in there. Um, so no, so no, you wouldn't be able to do that. Okay. Now, for, for those of uh, our audience who are either new to your to your project here or or just, you know, sound intrigued by it, we talked uh, about it a little bit earlier, actually, when we were talking about the AGD because it was the Super Spray FM Plus board. It's kind of another competitor. <laughs> so there's a few of them around. Um, but what, what, what do you charge for the board and how do people contact you if they're interested? Well, since pricing can change, and this is a, a recorded video, you know, it could change in the future. Uh, so okay, we'll, we'll report this video here. This is as of November 26th. Please inquire about <laughs> the price of right at the time now, you ask. <laughs> as of right now, it's 120 plus shipping. And uh, if you want to place an order, I don't have a website up and running. I was in the process of, of doing that to get all the information and the, the photos of it up there. So I'm just asking people to email me at ac8bitzone at gmail.com. Uh, that's ac8bitzone with, with no S. So AC, the number eight, bitzone at gmail.com. And so people just email me and I send them the information, answer their questions. And then right now I'm just taking payment through through PayPal and uh, going at it that way. So maybe in the future, if, if there's more demand, maybe I could throw a website or you know, finish my website to put some more payment options up there. Okay. And are you still working on your Pac-Man clone? I have had no time for that. I'm, I'm in full <laughs> war production right now. Um, I, I finally caught up on orders, and the only thing I have left to ship is uh, is two is two uh, full installations where someone didn't have time to do it themselves, and I'm just installing sockets and everything for them. And after that, I'm caught up. So who knows? Maybe with the holidays coming up, maybe there'll be more time to to work on the programming side of it. Okay. Cool. Alan, what you got going on in the background there? Uh, oh, that's the one I'm working on. So uh, that that customer is Coco. It's the uh, the TV output on the left and the uh, Coco DV on the right. So HDMI on, HDMI on the right and uh, the TV on the left. So you could still use your RF modulator output, but you probably won't want to after you've seen the, <laughs> the quality improvement. And does it support the artifact colors on the uh, HDMI? It does. It sure does. Yeah, and uh, I think it's probably a lot like the way the Coco VGA supports them. They're they're emulated, and yep. there are uh, different modes of artifacting. So besides just the, do you want the red or the blue? It it's. Do you want you know, you know true artifacts or do you want 
simple artifacts where it's only red and blue and black and white. And, and you can, or do you want uh, monochrome? Because, um, because Dagareth is better with monochrome. Dagareth is just cleaner <laughs> and monochrome, right? So, <laughs> so there, it has the usual, uh, I think I have uh, five modes of, of different styles of artifacts. Um, what else? Um, does it support PAL? Sixty was asking. I don't know if you answered the question or not. I'm trying to get a PAL computer, and uh, and and Brian has actually uh, has, has volunteered to send me a. Uh, what does he have? I think he has a Dragon Thirty Two that he's going to send, but I haven't found anyone with a with a PAL Coco yet. And I was hoping that that the Dragon Thirty Two would answer most all of my questions about PAL. I've just never had a PAL machine. I've I've never been. Able to test this in one. Uh, but one thing about the Dragon 32 is there's plenty of room. You know, there were so many obstacles in the Coco mainboard yeah. for ins inserting something. But with the Dragon 32, there's headroom, there's it's just wide open. There, there aren't transformers in the way and, and uh cartridge pack thing things are just really it's just a big square playing empty field. space there. Yeah, you can like lay yeah, a whole second space. board on there almost like posts you in could. the middle. Uh, Actually, it does mention Candy Pal and Dragon Pal are different. So, okay, does it mention how or just that they're different? Just in chat, he says Candy Pal and Dragon Pal are different. So. Get a hold of okay. Sexy. You should probably fill you in. Yeah, that's Karen. So, in case you didn't know, oh, yeah. I know author I know, of Extra. So what I need is I really just need to get a machine in my hands, and I've not been able to find a, a Pal Coco. Okay, well, now that everybody knows that you need one, maybe somebody will get in contact with you. The email address you just provided. <laughs> that would be cool. Also, MC10. You know, that's uh, Brian Weasler is also uh, is also sending an MC10, but I don't think he either didn't have a uh, Pal Coco freed up that he could send, or uh, you know, just had it in storage and, and couldn't get to it. But but he is sending an MC10 and a Dragon Thirty Two, so that's going to be good. That'll be a big step forward. Cool. That would be. Well, th thanks for popping on to the update. I was kind of surprised to see you there once we... Yeah, I was listening it. in, and since the early on when uh, Stevie dropped the bombshell there at the beginning, and we were just out driving around listening and uh, got back home and decided to, to pop on. Okay, cool. Well, people can contact you by the email, and uh, both are just quite general questions about the board, and then also uh, if they happen to have a pal dragon for you to try. That'd be great. Absolutely. Thanks, Curtis. Thanks, right, Alan. Thanks. Okay, uh, who is next Fred. on your list, uh, Mark, for project updates and acquisitions? Uh, Fred. Take it away, Fred. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I, uh, I don't talk much, <laughs> but... Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, wanted to show everybody um, a program that I actually wrote originally about 20, no, 30 years ago, back in 1992. And uh, I uh, was learning Basic 09, and uh, so I decided to write this program. And, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, Curtis, you were asking uh, who here, when they were learning how to program, uh, you know, designed uh, this type of game, you know, and... Uh, it was like a road race type game. And I, I made one of those myself when I was learning basic way back in the day. Uh, another type of program that I'm sure a lot of you probably 
uh, tried your hand at writing uh, uh, back when you were learning how to program was, of course, a Mandelbrot generator. Um, who here has done one of those before? <laughs> I've got a few videos of them running on, on, on my YouTube page, so I guess me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so I, I tried my hand at that at, uh, about 30 years ago when I was learning Basic 09. So I wrote a Basic 09 Mandelbrot generator. Now, there's a lot of them out there. Uh, a lot of them are faster and more efficient than mine. But mine did have a few features, which um, most probably didn't. And uh, so I, I thought I'd, I, I, I was thinking about the program the other day because I know that uh, Curtis and others have done some work on improving Basic 09, right? Uh, yep, that'll be in the EOU 1 release coming out shortly. Yeah, and, and you've done some work optimizing, work optimizing it and adding some features, and and so that made me thinking. Um, well, um, I wonder if uh, those optimizations might actually uh, uh, benefit my old Mandelbrot generator program. So I so I pulled it out and dusted it off and uh, ran it through some paces and uh, um, immediately found some. Um, areas where the program could be improved and optimized and uh and even i found a couple of bugs that i could fix and so so i started playing around with that and um and so i yeah i i uh made some improvements and so i thought hey why don't i show this off to everybody um because uh, like i said it has some interesting features that you might find a quick question for you. How many hours is it going to take to render a, a Mandelbrot set? I don't know if we have time. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'm running it under VCC and I really crank <laughs> up the uh, the uh, overclocking, um, it, it can generate a picture in like less than 20 minutes. So, <laughs> but that's cheating. Um, I would say the basic picture, um, the basic picture of the whole set um the my basic 09 program can render it in about four hours or so okay but then of course once you start magnifying it and zooming in then of course it skyrockets from there uh as as is always the case um but yeah i'd say the fastest i've been able to generate one was like four hours now um one of the cool features of this program is that Mine can also generate what are called Julia sets. Is anybody familiar with what Julia sets are? Ah, yes, Mark. Maybe you could do a better job of explaining to uh, people what what they are exactly. Uh, looks like you're jumping on um, there. Actually, it's been many, many years, yeah. like uh, <laughs> twenty or thirty years at this point. But yeah. When I first okay. heard about it, I mean, the Mandelbrot is uh, like a, a bilateral. And it plots around. They're usually kind of like a, a vase shaped, whereas the yep. Julia has a different shape. And I can't remember the in my mind exactly what it looks like, but it's similar plotting, but it has different uh, coordinates and points, different formula to generate. Yeah, it, it um, it's similar to the Mandelbrot set. These Julia set pictures are plotted on the same um, uh, complex number plane. Okay. Uh, but the calculation that's used is a bit different. What you do with a with a Julia set is you pick a coordinate on the complex number plane and you feed that number into the iterative uh, mathematical formula, okay? Um, and that's different than what you do with a Mandelbrot picture where you just 
take every point in the complex number plane within a certain area and you run it through that formula and then you 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 plot out the resulting colors and and results on 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 the screen but the julia set pictures take a particular coordinate on the plane and run that run that number uh, through the iterative formula for every point on the complex plane. So the results are rather strikingly different. Um, what's interesting is that unlike the Mandelbrot pictures that are generated, every Julia set picture has radial symmetry. Okay. Whereas the, the, the main Mandelbrot picture has line symmetry. Okay. Um, and so, uh, and also, if you choose a coordinate that is close to the Mandelbrot set, okay, then the resulting Julia set picture will have will have the characteristics uh, that are found at that location in the Mandelbrot set. So it, that might be difficult to envision, but I'll show you a couple examples in a minute. So if you choose, for example, a spot near the Mandelbrot set that has, say, a bunch of uh, seahorse-shaped uh, features, okay? Then when you run that location, that coordinate through the Julia iterative formula, you'll notice it generates a, a, a radial symmetric, symmetrically radi radially symmetric picture that has tons of seahorses all over in it, okay? Um, so I'll I'll sh I'll show you what I mean. Um, so I'm bringing bringing it up right now, and uh, so I'm going to start the program. I I've called it Mandalo Nine, not particularly creative in what I called it. Um, can I share my screen? Yes. Yep. All right. Thank you. Let's see here. Oh, there we go. Okay, so so here's um oh yeah another really nice feature about my my Mandelbrot generating program is that it makes full use of multi-view style windows and um, overlay windows and drop down uh, menus and and the works so it's pretty slick that way it's pretty user friendly okay. So uh, here's the program, and so you've got different menu drop-down menus here. New picture, you can open an existing picture that you've saved. There's uh, access to, hold on a sec, uh, access to uh, disk utilities. Um, and you can switch between high-res and low-res, and you can enter, manually enter, uh, parameters for the uh, Mandelbrot calculations. Uh, you can change the iteration count and so on and so forth. Now, um, I'll start with a Mandelbrot picture. Let's see. I need to make sure I'm in the right directory here. And let's try this. So, Hold on a sec. So that should look familiar. That's the, the main Mandelbrot picture. Okay. And I've zoomed in a, um, 
and uh, and generated some uh, some interesting pictures. Let's see which would be a good one. Some of these, by the way, are garbled, and so I need to. Uh, I'm not sure whether. Oh, this one's garbled. Never mind. Let's load it in a different one. Let's see. Oh, there, there we go. That's a nice one. Yeah. So that's what I generated. Really pretty. This one probably broke. This probably took like twelve hours to render. <laughs> um. Now. Uh, at twenty-five uh, megahertz. Well, when when it's under when, when it's it's set at the normal speed that a cocoa runs at, it's uh. like twelve hours. <clears throat> but it but at twenty-five megahertz, yeah, it can generate one of these pretty fast. Um, now, as far as Julia pictures go, uh, I'll show you how the Julia pictures differ. Um, I need to change directories though. Um, oh wait, no, I don't need to do that. What am I doing? Okay, so we're going to go into the Julia Picks directory here. There we go. And here's a and here's an example of a Julia picture right here. If it loads, did it load? I don't think it loaded. No. Huh? Didn't load. Let's try that again. No. Okay. Let's try a different one. There we go. Yeah, that's a good one. So, so you notice this picture has radial symmetry rather than, um, than you know, rather than uh, line symmetry like uh, Mandelbrot pictures do. And it has some of the same features that you'll typically see in a Mandelbrot picture. Okay. Um, and so, uh, but they're repeated over and over again at different scales and uh i really like julia pictures because of their radial symmetry i think it, it i think they look i don't know very um symmetrical you know which to me are rather eye eye pleasing now um you can zoom in on these pictures just like you can on mandelbrot pictures okay um now, before I do that, let me maybe show you a couple more because there's an infinite variety of different types of Julia pictures, okay? So uh, let's see if I can load in another one. Uh, yeah, there's another one. All right, see, so that's another one right there. And uh, let's see, um, maybe one or two more I'll show you. Do these take less time to load in? Yes, they do. So that's one another advantage of Julia Picks is that they take a lot less time to generate. Okay, I, to be honest, I forget how much shorter it takes, but I mean, probably a few hours shorter. Uh, <laughs> you know, at cocoa speeds. This is another one. Okay, um, very nice. And uh, let's see if I can load one more. Oh yeah, this one's really interesting. Um, this one is taken from a spot that's slightly farther from uh, the the Mandelbrot set. 
Okay, so it's a little bit more distant from the edge of the Mandelbrot bug shape, you know, and so that's why it's not as complex a picture. Anyway, I want to show you how does how uh, what what it's well how relatively fast it it takes to generate one of these compared to a regular Mandelbrot picture, and um, and uh, how how they look. So if we uh, here, let me load one of these other ones. Uh, I like your custom pointer. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I didn't design it myself. I found this uh, on the Coco archive. Yeah, uh, there was I, a couple of alternate sets there. Yeah, We're actually working I, on redesigning ours. It won't be any OU one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. But yeah, if you, if you check out the Coco archive, there's a couple of uh, alternate mouse pointers that I found years ago. In fact, this this is not something I recently found. I found this like I don't know, fifteen years. Yeah, they ago. came out. The I, this this particular set, which has the the sleeping <laughs> for the sleep thing instead of the hourglass. So if I remember, this came out like ninety one, ninety two, somewhere around there. Okay, yeah, it's it's, it's pre nitrous nine. I know that. Yeah, and and I really like them. So I've been using them for years. So um, anyway, uh, so let's see. I loaded the picture. Now I'm going to magnify. And so what I do is I. Uh, Use the little uh, yeah, there we go. It's gonna be a little off center, but oh well. Oops. Sorry, one sec. There we go. Now, what am I running this at? Let me take a look. Oh, yeah, let's crank it up some more. <laughs> so anyway, you can magnify it and uh, and zoom in just like you so, can on a regular Mandelbrot picture. What would your result be in this case? Um, Is it going to look similar to what we're already seeing here? Well, it's going to zoom yeah. up that rectangular area in the in the middle. Yeah, see the rectangular area that I uh, outlined in the middle of the uh, of the screen here. Mm. Um, that's what it's now generating is uh, a zoomed in enlarged version of that same of that same area. Okay, so we're actually getting new data. Like in the right side, you can see the green has got a lot more detail than is yeah. As you zoom in, it uh, increases the detail. Yeah, that's right. So what I'm, uh, so all that detail is built in, and we're just seeing an overview in the first picture. Yeah, it, it's it depends on how um, how finely you sample the data. So right. it's so how deep you know, can you go? Like three levels in, or. Oh, um, infinite pretty well, I think. Well, <laughs> theoretically, you could. The color computer, though, is going to be much more limited. It, you're not going to be able to go that deep. I mean, right. there are supercomputers that can go like crazy, crazy deep, you know. Um, but if, uh, if you have years, you can go really deep on the cocoa. All right. How long you <laughs> got? Well, the, the, the problem is, is that as you go deeper, the, the, the number of decimal places that it calculates the number out to becomes longer and longer and longer. And the color computer can only calculate to a certain number of decimal places. So you start running into that limitation, I think. 
<coughs> I think. <laughs> Memory well, serves it, me right. It's rendered pretty quick on this one so far. Well, yeah, I've jacked up the uh, the. Yeah, you're running at 98 megahertz or whatever. It said like, <laughs> what is it at? Um, I can check. Uh, it's currently running at. 88, 88 megahertz. <laughs> and that's on 639 mode on top of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the base, so, the speedups we've done to base 9 aren't going to make that much of a difference. <laughs> no, no. A <they> <laughs> couple, couple percent faster, that's about I'm, it. I'm only doing it at this speed so that you can actually see some results in a reasonable amount of time. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, um, so that's, I think, I... I mean, I've seen a lot of Mandelbrot generators out there, but I haven't hardly seen any that can generate Julia pictures like this. So that is, um, that's one nice thing. Also, my program has a very extensive uh, tutorial and help um, uh, program associated with it. So there, I, there's, a, there's a place where you can, here, I can pause this um, somehow. No, out of curiosity, Fred, like I know you, you've been working on the uh, the control version three uh, yep. using the new DCC compiler. So I, did, I wanted to ask yep. you how that was going. Oh, and, oh my gosh! So um, I've been like, should I just release the existing control you gave me earlier with the older DCC just to get it going? We can update the source and stuff later. I'm, I'm thinking maybe you should. Um, so because I've been furiously working the last few days on trying to uh, um, get control to work using the newest version of DCC. And um, I, I mean, uh, I made a lot of progress, but I think there's still a ways to go. Um, I might be able to get it done in a few days. I don't know. I'm not sure how close you are to wanting to release. And, and this upcoming email. week is my, my goal. Upcoming this up next, the end of this coming week. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say go with the older version I already sent you, unless I say otherwise. <laughs> okay. um, I'll, I'll try over the next few days to get it done. But if not, we'll just go with the version you already have. Um, okay. Because I do want to include the new DCC because there's some new features in it too. But this this program here right now would not be a bad one for me to throw on as well if you wanted to send this. It, yeah, I think there's like one more bug in this I still have to fix. Because like I said, I've been working on optimizing it. And it's pretty much done. But I'll show you what happens is um, quit program. Yes. Oh, wait. It closed out cleanly. Never mind. Maybe that bug's been fixed. Never mind. Well, send it along. Any Ping. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send this to you. You can throw it in uh, into EOU. That'd be cool. And I'm planning on uploading it to the archive. For some reason, I've had this program around for like 30 years, and I've never sent it up to the archive before. So I'm um, always looking for something to burn up a lot of time. <laughs> oh, this is perfect That's right yeah it would be <laughs> yeah so it's it's a neat little program like i said it's not the fastest uh, mandelbrot generator around there's other others that are faster but but it has a lot of cool features i, I i'm kind of proud of so yeah yeah send, send me up that one I'll, I'll include that in okay yeah on the new that. one there and i'll just put the old control in unless you'd like you said you notify me otherwise you got the other bugs what, yeah. what is the main problem is it just because it's bigger and it ran out of ram or is there some fundamental changes that jeff's done or it's weird i i don't i don't know what all is different between the newest uh dcc and the somewhat slightly older version that i was using but for some reason uh the newest dcc just could not handle 
the size of the files that I was trying to compile. And um, it would compile up to a point and then start sending me a ton of errors. And I'm like, okay, so I need to break this up somehow. So that's what I've been working on. You keep saying DCC. Do you mean VCC? No, DCC is uh, the new C compiler for OS9 that oh, Jeff Tennyson's working okay. on. He's been enhancing it to be more ANSI-like. It's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the original yeah. one is called CC. That was the C compiler from okay. uh, Microware. And then DCC I, is Deke C compiler, I guess, Deke. probably, because Deke is his uh, handle okay. on Discord. Right. All right. Makes sense now. Yeah, I've been working pretty closely with Deke to try to get this uh, <laughs> working. Um but there's still a ways to go. Um, but I'm, I'll be working on it furiously uh, every day. And, and uh, yeah, maybe, well, we don't make it. Don't worry about it. I mean, I, I know I'm going to have a bug fix release like I do for every version. So six, you know, version uh, 601 and 610 were versions of updates. So there'll yeah. be any ease of use 1.0.1 <laughs> or 1.1.0, depending on how many changes are done. Yeah. I do know Jim Gary had found three bugs in Kobe to G. Two of them are fixed for this 1.0.0 release. The other one is a little bit more extravagant, so I have to take a bit more time. And there's a few other things I didn't quite get ready, probably won't be ready by the end of the week either. But I don't want to have people wait till after Christmas when I already promised to have it out for last Rainbow yeah. Fest and I'm that later yeah. in. So well, I at, get at least at least we want some new cursors, right? Some new mouse cursors. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's also the fact that uh, Rick Ulan's Web Wrangler requires the new GFX2 module, and nobody else can use it until I can release that to the public. So that's another yeah. reason. Okay. All right. Very good. I like the trash can. Oh, yeah. That's a beautiful <laughs> trash can. Yeah. You should draw that as a man abroad and zoom in on that. You can see Nick's initials carved in the bottom. <laughs> that's right. You know, Curtis, if you planned on having this out at the last Rainbow Fest, you're really late. I, I am. I was planning on it for the last Rainbow Fest, and it is really late. That's why I'm not waiting anymore. Even if it's not as complete as I would have liked it, it's better to have some new stuff out than nothing again. Here, I thought you were going to have it for the last Cocoa Fest, but that was hey, a friend. plan. Oh, well, do, do you have different colors that you can choose? Or you're talking about Mandelbrot programming? Yeah, when, when, um, when it's yes, uh, you can. Uh, I already uns unshared my screen. Yeah, but, yeah, but um, in the params menu, which I briefly showed you there, you can change all kinds of parameters, one oh, okay. of which one of which affects the color scheme. So, right. yes, yes. Because I always thought maybe a black background would be cool to have it printed on but i yeah. guess it depends oh no you can you can fiddle with it and make it happen yeah okay cool well definitely yeah send me a copy of the mandelbrot program once you find that last bug there and then yeah. dcc I'll, I'll include the new dcc just some of the new features there but i'll put the binary for the control from your previous one you'd sent me okay but i haven't found cool. any bugs in so that uh it, at least the new functionality is there and then you can kind of get it working with the new compiler afterwards all right cool it's sounds done. good Okay, Mark, you had somebody else, I believe, that was also... Yes, we have... Okay, long enough on the intro. <laughs> Oh, just getting into the, the groove. Just uh, we, we're still going to be able to use that music. I, yeah. We, we, yeah. Just as you start liking the music, it cuts it off, right? Okay. Oh, I could go longer. No, that's okay. Okay, go ahead, Ron. Here we go. 
Do you Amanda see Amanda Brott said no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, really. Do you see it? Yes, we okay. see your page. All right. So what we got here is uh, when the Buffalo Bills play, I, I always usually, usually put something up on the cocoa and throw it up. And I really needed them to win, so I put two of them up. <laughs> <laughs> and they won. I watched that game on Thursday. Yeah, it's a pretty good game. Yeah. Yep. Almost so, went over time. Yeah, if you're um, – what, what do they call it when you're uh, – when you – I forget the word for – what is it when you're um, superstitious? You do stuff like that, I guess. Happy Thanksgiving on the cocoa. Uh, the new electric charger. Huh? What do you think, guys? It's pretty. I'd have to try one first. <laughs> yes. Well, they're they're going to be expensive. Right. Then uh, it, this is does uh, it boot OS nine. Oh, here's your sure. self portrait. Yeah, here, here's uh, it's Yukon Cornelius. Yeah. And you know what he used his hammer for? You know, he had a like a pick in his hand and, and uh, installing VDG chips. I don't no, know. He, would, he would hit the ground and looking for uh, silver or gold. And silver and gold. Play. That's it. Silver and gold. Yep. Do, 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 silver and gold. <laughs> you guys have seen this before? Yeah, Simon Jonas's Coco 3 demo. Oh, it's the blue donut. I put it with Now I'm hungry. <laughs> donuts. I've got some donuts from here, uh, Curtis. I'll send one to you. Yeah, ship, ship you them know, over. That is an exceptional graphic. By next week, right? Yeah, I, th I think that's a really cool graphic. Even if you just sit there and stare at it for a while. Ah, uh, Frank August. Yes. Here, here's a uh, ad. A nice looking girl, you know, bringing you into uh, the new world of Flex in OS 9. Frank actually, when I was interviewed, talked quite extensively about this ad campaign because uh, he had a few commercials like this. And he yeah. also talked about, uh, you know, the shoot and you know, costuming and stuff like that they used for some of them because some of them are a bit more risque than this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and in color. But he yeah. actually, on one of the groups, he actually posted some of the original photo shoot photos that were taken during these that are not the ones he used in the magazine. So like outtakes. I don't know oh. if you remember that, Ron, from back in the day. Cool. And there's this game I came across. I looked at that and I thought, wow, that looks cool. I wonder if the game's just as cool. And that the it's very hard. beginning, when, when this thing comes up. And it does that sound? Really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. But the game kind of, itself requires a Cocoa 1 and 2 keyboard. You will not be able to do any good with this. If you're playing keyboard, anyway, there's a joystick option, too. Um, it will not play well with a Cocoa 3 keyboard at all. And I actually used to be pretty good at it. I could get up to the big, what is it, Wave 8, where you have the big mutant ship that breaks apart yeah. when you kill it. Is that, is that more like... Yeah, like that's the one? mutant ship there. Yeah. Okay. Because when, when I saw the ad, I'm thinking, well, the little, it's just a little ship here, right there. You have to get to Wave 8, I think it is, to get the big ship. Oh, okay. All right, plus the background's black, and this is just kind of yeah, dark, 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 dark green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Anyway, and that's that we've already covered. I put um, this to music, and the music is uh, you know free that you can get, but I just thought it looked cool knocking around. That's in composite. Yeah, and so it's a little bit of a different color. I have the switcheroo, so. It, it, 
I have the ch chance to, ch you know, change it from this, which is, uh, we don't see that much. It's out there. You can sit and watch that just like you can that little donut. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did uh, Denzel Washington. They come out pretty good. Yeah, the high killer one in particular did. That's yep. a young Denzel. I got a mouse pad done. I, I drew this on my computer quite a while ago. And then I was uh, on Amazon and thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a mouse pad? And um, the only way this is cocoa related is you have a mouse on your cocoa and you can use this mouse pad. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Otherwise, it has nothing to do with it. That's quite a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, anyone know who Taylor Swift is? Let's come mm, on. No, not really. Yeah. She's yeah. a singer. She has like eight <laughs> songs in the top 10. And this one came out pretty nice for the uh, um, Coco VGA. When you step back, it looks pretty like here. Yeah. That looks cool. Came out nice. Anyway, that's it, guys. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Even we'll if still have you on. Dumb pictures I make. <laughs> so in the chat, uh, Sixty was asking if there was much of a dis debate over uh, Flux versus OS9. In the Coca One days? Oh, yeah. Um, Frank Hogg actually was originally going to be making the OS9 port to the Cocoa 1 and 2 for microware, and then all of a sudden, or for Tandy, I should say, and then all of a sudden Tandy went directly to microware. Um, and then he became a bit against it. I mean, it was a bit against it before. He said, you know, on the Cocoa, because we didn't have, like, we had the Bitbangers, the default serial port, and we only had a 32-column screen with just uppercase and stuff. He he wasn't that impressed with it. Uh, so he kind of pushed flex in the Cocoa 1 and 2 days from 82, 83, 84 around that area. Once the Cocoa 3 came out, it became a complete OS 9. Not, they just didn't push flex after that whatsoever because OS 9 level 2 was, was a whole different beast. What was the thing about flex that sold itself? I mean, what was the feature or the best part of it? Well, it made much better use of the disc. Like we were talking about the Dragon uh, disc operating system earlier that can handle 35, 40, and 80 tracks. Well, flex could do that. Um, Flex also had the option for the high-res graphics screen built in, so you could actually do your text on 51 by 24 or whatever. It had disk directory systems, like subdirectories like DOS and CPM and a few other things did too. Um, did did it have CPM, a basic? Right? <laughs> yeah, it had a couple of them actually. It had a Microsoft Basic, a TSC Basic, a Compiled Basic, I think called A-Basic, I remember. And uh, it had hundreds of programs. It had a lot of business and productivity software like word processors and spelling checkers and stuff like that, so it was kind of Early on, the Coke were doing that kind of stuff. OS9 had it too, but OS9, you know, the operating system took a lot more memory because it was multi-user multitasking. Flex is not. Uh, Eventually, all those features did get incorporated into, you know, OS9 and Nitrous 9 level, you know, level 2 and all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like level 2 OS9, basically, that's when Frank quit selling Flex for the most part. So is there, a, um, in the uh, archive, is there a, a Flex folder with all these productive programs? Somebody was making a whole Flex archive. I don't think, it, I don't know if it's on the computer archive itself, but somebody else was doing something like that. Yes. They were okay. collecting everything. Because Frank used to have 32-page catalogs embedded in Color Computer News and Rainbow, advertising all the stuff they had for Flex. 
hundred, well, couple hundred programs. How boring would it be to have someone demonstrate it if they knew it well enough? I mean, would um, there's actually a couple demos I think on YouTube if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, because that, that was a popular one on a whole bunch of six out of nine systems, not just the Coco or the Dragon. Hmm. So there's there's a few like the SWTPCs and, and, uh, and so, smoke signal chieftains and stuff. Do you know the guy that that formed it or made it, and why did they use the word flex? Did it have to do with the way? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Was it TSC that did the original? Because there were several versions of flex for the Coco. Spectral had one. Frank Hogg had one. There might have been a third that I don't remember. But it predates the Coco because there was versions of flex for like the raw terminal based six eight nine systems before, like the gimmicks one. Uh, the 56k gimmicks uh, for OSI level one or flex that was an option the gimmick sold and so uh, it didn't go back smoke. to the 6800 it might have actually i'm trying to remember the very first version is it 70 76 or 79 is ringing a bell if it's 79 it probably was 6809 only if it was six if it was the 77 76 one then yes it would have been on the 6800 as well i can't yeah. remember off the top of my head But it was a much more advanced OS than, say, Disk Basic. Okay. <laughs> Which, you know, isn't hard. Oh, uh, Mark I Siegel says yes it. on the 6 to 800, and so does uh, Mikey. So, yes. Yeah, I, I used to see it, you know, and I but I never thought it was connected to a Coco. I always saw it. It know, was ported to the Coco. It already existed before okay. that for previous machines. Everything else. It was like four or five years ago when I saw it. As a, yeah. It, it was quite powerful. It. And worked in a 64K machine. That was its big claim to fame. It had subdirectors and a bunch of other options too, which uh, you know, Disk Basic did not, et cetera. Um, OS9 on on the same power machine, the OS took up too much room, so you couldn't make as complex or as big of apps. Uh, level two with the MMU and you know, greater than 64K with 128.5, meg, et cetera. That's when Flex kind of fell more to the wayside. Though they did make a bigger, was it Uniflex or something? Was the big. MMU-based one of that. I think they might even import the 68,000, if I remember correctly. Hopefully the guys in the chat that know it a lot better remember better than I do. Does it compare to Unix at all, or for the lines? The mm, line no, not really. Commands? No, Did you can build your own com files. It's probably closer to DOS or CPM, I think. Yeah, than, I've heard that it's closer to CPM than anything else, from what I've, yeah. you know, what I've been told. There's obviously some people in the chat that know this a lot better than me because a whole bunch of them are piping up on it here. <laughs> the problem with yeah. OS 9 was OS 9 used up the whole computer. Yeah. Level 1, pretty much, it was a demo. It wasn't really a... Yeah, unless you're running terminals where you didn't have screens and stuff to worry about that take a ton of room. Yeah. I, I got to say that I never really was interested in OS 9 at all until Level 2 came out. And then I was like, oh. Yeah, I tried it on Level yeah. 1. And, of course, you had a couple of games like Biosphere and stuff that came with it. It was kind of intriguing, but it was, yeah, it was like 32-column yeah, screen. I'm going to put an percent of multitask, and I got two programs running the screen at once. It's just a big mess. Yeah, it's not enough memory to do anything significant yeah, with. And no windowing at all. That was the other problem. Because if I want to run two programs, I don't want them running at the same time on the same screen. The first Deskmate got me hooked with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the file system and the fact that it was saying could support like 80 track double sided drives, you know, that was a big thing. Now you suddenly have 720K to fiddle with on a disk rather than 160. But level two, once the windowing and multi screens came in, that was, that was what sold me. I, I didn't, didn't look back after that. Yeah, plus when we could cram 800K on a three and a half later. Well, yeah. multi-view was really cool when it first came out. 
It was like, actually Mike, Mikey and Mark Oberosa both mentioned here. Uniflex is Unix like. So Uniflex was a bit more Unix than CPM ish. And Mikey says Uniflex was 6809 and 68K. So I was remembering that right, which surprised me. Because my memory sucks. <laughs> but yeah, that's actually not a bad idea because I know some other people, even on the Discord, have asked about Flex. I think we have a channel for it. Because um, it's it's a bit of history from the early 80s, like 81, 82, 83, 84, up until around the Coco 3. It was fairly common. It wasn't as common as DisBasic, obviously. But Frank Cobb there, seemed to be the driver behind that. Yeah. And Spectral was selling it the earlier 80s. I mean, they had their own version of it uh, that you could take a look at, like 1982 Rainbows, and you can see the ad for their version of Flex. In fact, they had a 64K cart RAM cartridge, so you didn't have to do any tinkering with the motherboard itself. You just plug it the slide, you got 64K, and then you could run their version of Flex on that. And I remember plus, bringing, plus plus prompt. I think I remember bringing flex up and then thinking, okay, now what do I do? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember it had a couple of pretty good basic basic compilers that had uh, like Dynas Calc, Dynas Spell, all that stuff. Uh, some of it written by Dale Puckett of the Osine Column fame, and and Rainbow was all done under Flex before going to OS nine. So, now that's interesting because Dynacalc was on everything. It was on Starcade OS. It was on everything. I wonder they had a good marketing team. Yeah. <laughs> Sixty saying in the chat here that Stuart Orchard who we had on the show for some of his awesome games he did for the Dragon recently reported a more recent flex to the Dragon using his banker board repro. So I'm assuming that has uh, more than 64k too. So he's actually probably getting the bigger version of flex out. So did flex put the Coco in 64k mode to run type of thing? Yes. Okay. I can't remember if it ran in under 64K or not. Probably not. But I can't remember for sure. I mean, the original was signed level one when Micro first brought it out, only need 32K to run. Hmm. But the Coco version required 64. Did anybody else have any presentations there, Mr. Mark? Uh, nothing on my list. Okay. I could well, um I, oh never mind. Go ahead. Oh uh just regarding uh Patrick's uh orchestra one eighty, I can just show what I've started doing for that. Oh sure. Um I've started uh putting together a bit of a a program for allowing us to uh get sound samples and um get them uh running on uh, Patrick's uh Orchestra 180, and it's at this stage, it's a very preliminary copy of the uh, user interface. I can just bring that up. It doesn't do anything. It just look, sits there and looks pretty. Neat. <laughs> so that's it there. Um, you learned how the, to count uh, on this one. <laughs> well, the buns, are, they're, they're just d dummy labels. Um, so they're going to have proper words, proper functions on them later on. At the moment, there's nothing there, but you'll have things like being able to to do things with the different uh, uh, sound waves, which are going to appear in the window on top with the black area. So that's what, where you'll see the actual waveforms or the samples. And below that, you've got some uh, controls there for playing it forwards, backwards, whatever. And at the moment, the cursor is flashing, but of course, Nothing's happening yet because that's what I'm up to. So, so once the gonna, UI's, oh sorry, 
Are we going to get Dennis Kitts to do a uh, symphony with? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know how he can uh, write it. <laughs> well, that would be uh, a great got, promo for it. It would be, but I've got to get to that stage yeah. at the moment. I think, I think Dennis is also kind of retired from the retro stuff here. I think yeah, he's more I think doing so, his yeah. operas and stuff now these days. So the idea here is you can make samples and then use them in your own composition. Yeah, well, the first stage oh, okay. is the sample. Yeah, playing samples and sending them out to the for to the four channel orchestra 180. Once the samples are in there, then the next thing is to write a something to sequence them or like a like build up a, a player or song creator. But this is a long long term project. I just want to get this uh, get it playing sounds through the orchestra 180 first, and uh, to see if I it can do it uh, fairly well. So, but that's the that's the program so far. So this is something Danielle O'Con- O'Connor might be interested in for his music. Yes, 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 it would be. Yeah, yeah, her music probably. Yeah, this is the very very early stage. Just kind of designing the layout of the oh, program yeah. right now. So it's just the layout, just trying to de- de- design the way it's going to look. There's going to be a few more. There's yeah, going to be a few more buttons in that. Um, Are you going to have a trash can other- off to the side? Uh, not really. I figured the best trash can is just turn the power off. There we go. We're, we're getting into that but, cart before the horse thing where we yeah. need some software to design yeah, yeah. hardware, and then we need the hardware to improve the software. So, so, yeah, um, so things well, to go first. This looks first like thing uh, is to make it. Looks like the ease of use colors. Yep, well, gray, gray the, palette. The grays, yeah. <laughs> I could use a blue. I could use a shades of green. <laughs> yeah, we're just using yeah. shades of gray. Yeah, because we're all gray as well, so <laughs> matches, bingo <laughs> matches the users. <laughs> well, I'm, goes, I'm designing goes. it for a market. <laughs> I could swear I'm looking into a mirror right now. <laughs> will, will this run on a, a gray cocoa one? <laughs> nope. No, no, cocoa three required six three oh nine. All right. Now you could and run the card back. on a cocoa one or two though later on. Right. Yeah. I mean, the it could. Yeah. Yeah. The card would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the card will run Orc ninety stuff. Yeah. Our intention. In stereo. It will, it will always be useful for something. Yeah. That's good. Anyway. So is there going to be a, I've got to show. a name for the software? Well, for the software, I haven't come up with a name. The hardware is going to be the Orchestra One Eighty, of course, because it's a double. And orchestra 90. <laughs> it's the quadraphonic the one if you want to set it up right. Yeah, it's four <laughs> channels, not two. Um, but yeah, I haven't come up with a name yet. Quadra. I just want to make sure it works first. At the moment, it's the orchestra 180 test program. <laughs> okay. Well, and then uh, if it actually it's a start, then we can also we can we can mold it later. Well, guys, I got to take off. Um, yep, me too. Family stuff to do. Um, but uh, nice seeing you all. And, uh, have See you later. One. Yeah, and fire, fire me up your uh, Mandelbrot thing there. and I'll, uh, Will do. I'll, yep, I'll throw do. that on. As I'm cleaning I've up got, the last few things I'm going to guarantee are going to be on it. I've got a bile as well. So he sees all See later. Okay. Later, Nick. Right. Later, Fred. I think we're pretty well near the end of the show at this point. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't have any other segments planned. I don't think Mark did either. 
Okay, now, so I was going to mention one thing. Oh, really we got quick. Also David. Okay, go ahead, David. <laughs> okay, so the Don Barber replied to my one comment about it would be nice to have a few of these, and he replied. Can you refresh um, my memory? What are we talking about? A few or what? The RS two thirty two pack USB project. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. So he goes, I'll do a group buy in about 1.5 weeks after I get back from putting on reInvent. Okay. So if anybody be interested in that and does not have the, the the capability of actually making and soldering all their own stuff. Oh, uh, a group buy means group prices. Mm. Possibly that too. But but I, I saw him reply size. to me and I figured I'd share before the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good to hear so anybody interested in that has basically a week and a half does he have pricing yet what do you think he'll be able to get him for does that I, depend on the I, group size? I, I don't know um anybody that's on facebook probably should chime in so hint 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 <laughs> are you hinting at something david no maybe yeah no uh, uh, well you're just, you're not being clear enough now, don't don't get me started. Don't get me oh, started. No, we don't need to get you started. It's the end of the show, I think. Just hit clear. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, by the way, you're talking about Fred and his getting his Control 3 program for EOU to work with the new DC compiler. We were kind of speculating like what exactly is happening. Uh, Deke himself actually popped in the chat. And he doesn't usually pop in here. So he said the new headers, which are much more complete, are probably the first cause of the Control build failure. Because um, uh, the new headers take more room, I know. So I think uh, I know they've been going back and forth and figuring out you know, ways to compress the code a little bit. So hopefully I'll get it working for the 601 or 610 release if it doesn't get a chance. Or sorry, I keep saying six version 1.0.0 release or, or, or one, I should say. Because uh, I, I do have a couple things I want to fix up too that are just aren't going to make it. But I do want to get, especially for Rick, Web Wrangler. We have to get that new GFX2 there for the uh, menu handling and stuff. So. That means I'm going to finish the code. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Ken can you know, make a new uh, Basic 9 video on that, too, with some of the features. <laughs> Maybe run some Mandelbrot sets. Okay. Anyway, if anybody else says uh, anything, this is uh, the last chance. And then uh, if not, we will end the show until next week. Well, well uh, it is Small Business Saturday. So uh, CocoMan.biz, uh, head over there for your hmm. cocoa needs. And... Uh, with I'll, I'll, with any purchase of an item, you can buy unlimited items at regular price. <laughs> cool. No offer code needed. That sounds like a government sale to me. Your Black Friday sale, right? Do you have small stuff business in stock? Saturday? Yeah. Do you have yeah. things in stock? Things are in stock, or things can be put into stock very quickly. Okay. Yeah, you don't do too much with like these CPLDs and FPGAs that are all in short. No, supply. I have the parts. Some things need assembled, but they can be assembled in a quick amount of time and sent out. Okay. Cool. That's cool. the nice thing about switches. Those are usually readily available. Right. right. Or software. <laughs> it doesn't require anything physical, so it's fine. Okay. Promo. Push or, the uh, bot button, Frank. All right. Gotta run the gotta run the outro. Here we go. The time has come to unite the world under one nation, an 8-bit nation, a neon green nation, the Coco Nation. 
The Coco Nation Show, coming soon. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T.com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! Okay, that's about it. That's about I- it. I guess the only thing that's left is we say our goodbyes and push the button. Push the button. See y'all next week. Is this the end? Bye. Bye. Bye.